0: well hello people of defend the house and welcome back to our annual top 10 list for the year of gaming uh this is the 11th time we've done this now i believe We're yeah. in the second decade is that the right yep, decade that, second yeah. decade of
1: doing these lists that's scary
0: yeah it's horrifying actually and disgusting <laughs> Uh, But if you happen to be new and you've never listened slash watched one of these before, um, it's a classical top 10 list of games for the year, but me and Jameson have a list each. We do not know each other's lists, so there is always the potential for 20 games. We've never had that and probably never will, but, you know, maybe one year. Maybe one day, yeah. Yeah. And I think before we start, we normally just have a quick recap slash review of the year in general when it comes to yeah. gaming and how we felt about 2023
1: before we did that or slash i wanted to say one thing that sort of leads into that as well but first i wanted to do two thank yous one is to everyone listening for a decade and now 11 years it's weird that we've yeah. been doing this for this long and people actually care uh yeah you know if this was the first uh video thing we ever started doing on the channel in 2013 True. and we're still here so it's, it's been fun to do it for ten years, yeah, and yeah, sort of re, uh, leading to a twenty twenty three general feelings recap. Uh, it feels important to say thanks to all the people that make video games, because man, it's it seems like the worst time ever to be making video games. Yeah, <laughs> like. People bust their ass to make things and just get punished endlessly for it. It seems and like fired, <laughs> and fired, and abused, and overworked, and that sucks. Because you know there were a lot of really interesting games this past year, and but there were a lot. They were sort of all overshadowed by like the AAA industry, especially being horrible, and that sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, the industry uh, news is usually terrible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, not to like start on a low note, but that's where my heart is just like, oh, people dedicate their lives to making video games and it sounds like the worst job ever. It
0: really does, (laughs) it really does. It's
1: it's like really appreciated that people do it because man, Not by a lot of people, it seems, but we do. No, I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we appreciate games, they're fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, 2023. Why don't you lead with your feelings of 2023? Because I feel like... You feel like how I felt in 2022, which is uh, disconnected, maybe, a little bit.
0: (laughs) Obviously, this stuff has come up a lot during our podcast across the year. Um, But for anyone who maybe just watches the main channel stuff, the Tower and these top 10 chats. Yeah, Joe's Joe's had a bit of trouble this year connecting with a lot of stuff. Um, I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. Uh, again, we've covered all this in the podcast, but, you know, this is 11 years of me and you being pretty deep down the variety gaming well of playing a lot of AAA stuff, AA stuff, indie. We kind yeah. of, we don't play everything, but we try to really, between us, get, I would we say, close. Like, we stretch out and we touch a lot of yeah. facets of video games. Yeah. Um, And I did hit some walls this year. AAA for me was a bit of a struggle bus. I just couldn't connect with a lot of things, a lot of games that people seem to really revere, maybe because there is some formulaic aspects to the AAA industry. They're very expensive. They take a long time to make. And some people don't want to risk doing new and crazy things like maybe Kojima can. Yeah. Um, and I'm just getting old, dude. I- I've played a lot of stuff. And yeah. I've always been a little... I get bored quite quickly... Of similar things repetition playing the same formats genres etc over and over again so there was certain things which i just couldn't get behind and i also hit a bit of a like a wall with video game writing and storytelling this year mm, yeah uh, looking through my list it's a very gameplay heavy list i don't think there is like a big story thing in here a narrative focused thing in here at Tool. yeah maybe that's not for debate we'll get to it um i've actually just started consuming a lot of other media <clears throat> over the last two years than maybe i did before i kind of just played video games for like seven years of my life <laughs> same <And> I, yeah <laughs> you know i watched the, the big movies and i try to watch a few tv shows um but now i make time for reading books and i watch more tv than i used to and i take evenings off just to watch movies and rewatch mm-hmm. movies that i liked um, so I think across the last two years I've been consuming more writing and storytelling across all medias than yeah. usual. And
1: it really highlights how shitty video game writing is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thing is, you know, we also like we put a lot of hours into what we do for YouTube. So, yeah. so when it comes to hours per day to consume video games, I don't have a lot anymore. And I just wanna play a game. I wanna play mm-hmm. it. I don't want to watch a game, I don't want to listen to a game, I don't want to read a game, I want to play a game. And maybe yeah. that's just a change in what I like, my personality, the time I have to consume this stuff or how much writing I'm consuming in other maybe better mediums. Yeah. Um but yeah. So I don't want to like list specific games because you know, I don't want to spoil the yeah, lists. Yeah. But certain things didn't appear on my list for certain reasons, and it's going to be interesting going forward um, how that affects what I play and what I like, um, because games like to talk nowadays a lot. At least yeah. it feels that way.
1: I, I agree, and like I, there are definitely a few uh, exceptions this year that we'll talk about where I very much liked it for the writing, uh, and I still can very much enjoy a game. F- for story purposes, but I would say for probably like eighty percent of the year, I was in the same place of just like, please stop talking. I just yeah. want to play the game as well. Uh, and yeah, I think a lot of that just comes down to, uh, yeah, I don't know. Games this year felt overwritten in a lot of a lot of places. Like games that f- didn't need to have any story had like a hundred hours that felt <laughs> like of writing in it. Yeah, you know, like. Uh yeah, I don't want to mention anything either, but there are a few and some of them are even on my list where it's like I still like this game but like man, did yeah. it really need all these words? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, and I, yeah. So there was a lot of that I would agree from me as well. Just like I just want to like be active uh yeah. with my fingers on the controller or keyboard and have a really fun time moving and interacting with the game because I yeah there there's a lot of story to be consumed in other mediums and it's those mediums are much better for storytelling because they were invented for it instead of you know being adapted into it the way video games are
0: yeah and I will say my list really came together um quite recently honestly let me do a little count here like one two Mm. three four four of the games on this list were like the last few months honestly yeah. Uh, like three months ago, I had like six games on this list. And I took like three months off video games just because it was like the post-Starfield and Alan Wake era where I really hit a wall with being talked at. Yeah. And yeah, it, it came together in the end. This This list of 10 games is quite good. So... I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic about 2023 in general. That was more like a little TED talk on how I felt like my taste specifically changed this year and how going forward that might make certain like big AAA things just like not appealing to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's how it goes sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And, and games are also sort of in a weird... We're finally hitting the like transition period for console generations. So it'll be interesting to see what the next two years hold. Um, but yeah... I would say the this was a fairly inverse of the 2022 experience for me. 2022 I just thought like I I thought 2022 looking back at my list from 2022 I'm like I liked th- uh, three or four games last year, you know, in <laughs> yeah. 2022 and I'm just like, "Oh my god, the rest of this list was like stretching it." And none of them have some of them haven't really like grown. Some of them have gotten worse in my mind and other I don't know. Like it There were other factors as well, but 2022 was just kind of a snooze fest. But I thought 2023 was um, quite enjoyable, more or less from start to finish. The one big sort of genre hole that I felt was indie stuff. Right, yeah, Um, I forgot to say that. I really just, pretty much, it's it's weird. I normally have like a a good variety in my top 10 of like AAA and Mm, indie and weird. But I look at my top 10 and it's almost all like, pretty big games yeah it's pretty much all big games and it feels a little weird and in my honorable mentions there's a bunch of interesting indie games but they never clicked i never i wasn't able to stick with like any of them this year and i'm not sure exactly why that is because there were a lot of ones that i thought were cool but i'm not sure i think part of it is sort of like you mentioned our uh increase in like work time on recording stuff you know you spend two hours A day looking at games like playing them for recording and then another I don't know three to five hours looking at them in a Premiere Pro right at the end of the day it's just like oh my god I have to get out of my office and when I go to the my living room I don't I don't know there's just something like a barrier for me of just like I don't want to turn a console on and look at a video game on a huge TV I don't want to run my computer out Via HDMI, so I can play indie games not in my office. So there was a, a bit of a, a wall, and I keep looking at the uh, the Steam Deck, being like, "Hmm, I wonder if this is my solution of just like being able to yeah. pick away at indie stuff in a different space uh, that isn't sort of the the two like media consumption rooms, basically of the living room and the the office." So I'm not I'm not entirely sure, uh, but I also just think most of the smaller games this year were. Like really cool conceptually, but just didn't. I just yeah, I couldn't stick with them for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Um, but that when there are no indie games, it does sort of feel like the balance is a little off. Thankfully, there were a lot of uh, really interesting big games and sort of the um, I don't know double A if you want to call it that. There were some interesting ones of those as well, which is good. We need more medium games yes. uh, than any than ever before. Uh, so. Yeah. And there I also noticed and I'm going to save it till the very end once we've talked about all the games, but there's a very interesting trend between all my games this year that I realized mm. last night. Pretty much every game on the list with well, probably 8 of the 10 are like, "Hmm, this reminds me of a certain period in time." And huh. it was interesting to realize, yeah. So, okay. Um, but yeah, I had like six games that were really easy and then the last four we're like, "Oh, I don't know." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was a, an interesting year to say the to say the least.
0: I've got some spice on this list. Some of my mm-hmm. placements are uh controversial.
1: <laughs> I think some of mine might be too. I don't know, we'll see. Yeah. 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 We have, you know, we like what we like and that's just the way it goes. Like I we have our own tastes and Yeah, yeah. They often, more than, more often than not, seem to be diverging from the general consensus. Definitely. Uh, and that's that makes these videos fun, so...
0: Yeah, it makes the comments love us.
1: Oh, yeah, well, you know, Star Wars, number one. <laughs> I was thinking year. about
0: Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> uh.
1: I think that's it. Uh, I went first last year, so that means you're up for number 10, if you're ready to get into it. I am.
0: Yeah, I one thing I do want to say, mm-hmm. last disclaimer before we get moving... I did not play Baldur's Gate 3 this year. Actually, it's a lie. I put eight hours in, but you right. know, eight hours is like 80 seconds uh, yeah, compared to, you know, in comparison to other games. Uh, so yeah, when it comes to games missed, I think that's the only thing I have to disclaim. Right. Um, again, I just said I wasn't like in the mood for stories. Um, so I played like eight hours of Baldur's Gate 3. It seemed really cool. I wasn't very good at the combat, but I'm sure I could get into it. It is on my backlog for some time in the future i've never played when you retired yeah i've never played a what's the genre called uh computer rpg crpg i've never played a single one of those like i think i played divinity 2 for like three hours and now Baldur's gate 3 for eight hours and it's like on my shame list to at least get through one of those games in that genre and it might as well be Baldur's gate 3 so, yeah, that will, that will somewhere in the future pop up on the podcast when mm. I have the time. But yeah. um, obviously it was the actual game of the year, according to Mr. Jeff Keeley. So I right. should probably mention that I didn't play it to completion or enough to like, put it on the list.
1: Your whole list is invalid now. Everyone will mm-hmm. be, everyone's plugging their ears. They're not listening anymore. I'll get to it, man. It's fucking it's so long. That game is very long. It's so long. Um. Yeah.
0: All right. N- number 10 uh, for 2023. Maybe this is going to be a little bit of a a surprise for you on its placement. It kind of was for me. Mm. Um, It's Remnant 2 is my Mm -hmm. number 10. Um, We haven't finished this game. I haven't finished this game, I should say. Um, We have a co-op run going with our podcast host, Ben, and I'm also doing a solo run. And between those two runs, I've actually seen quite a lot of the biomes now. Yeah. Um. I kind of expected a bit more from Remnant 2. I don't mean to dive into our top 10 list with like a negative tone, but uh, for context, for people who haven't seen maybe all the lists, I am a pretty big fan of Remnant 1. It was like this niche little thing that no one played and then Remnant 2 came out and it was a lot more revered critically and a lot Mm. more people played it. Um, We waited quite a while to get to it, just playing other things and we were like interested in playing the game co-op. So I was maybe expecting a bit more of a jump forward be- between Remnant 2 and Remnant 1, and certain areas have definitely got better. I would say the environments, the world design, um, that stuff, the aesthetics are much improved over the first game. But apart from that, I'm actually finding the solo playthrough a little less tuned, like, accurately tuned for solo play than the first game. I beat the first game on my own, um, and I definitely had some challenging fights, but it felt completely natural. And in the second game, I'm playing it with the dog class, where the Mm -hmm. dog can actually revive me, I think, at least once in a boss fight. And it just just doesn't feel as good as the first game did. Um, I am enjoying our co-op playthrough, but a co-op playthrough is... A very different tone to solo. You're kind of like talking amongst each other, the aggro is really split so it's a much more casual experience and I quite like when it comes to this genre, this whatever you want to call it from software type thing. I do like playing it solo because I like taking on the boss myself and overcoming those challenges and so far my solo playthrough just hasn't felt as like balanced as the first game did. Um, I still really like the format, it's still a really unique property and I'm definitely happy the second one's seen more success and more people have played it because it's just a cool idea and a cool studio and the more money they get in their pockets, the better. I uh, would be interested in a third game or just more, I don't know, from software shooter stuff, maybe in a mm-hmm. completely different context. Um, but yeah, the game just isn't working as good in for a solo playthrough and that's kind of like the main thing I like as much as our co-op evenings have been fun with this game. Um, Still really like Remnant. I am happy 2 is doing well. Um, Yeah, but I I think I was more fond of the first one so far. Yeah. Um, I haven't finished the game, but I think I'm only missing one biome that I haven't seen yet. And I just think the game needs a bit more enemy variety per area and more weapon variety. In my solo playthrough, I haven't got a second primary weapon in like six hours.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I played, like, seven hours of it solo, and then we played about seven hours co-op, and the two playthroughs have felt radically different, and everything you just said about solo is exactly how I felt about it solo. I thought it was... It just didn't feel tuned for solo at all. Uh, yeah. The boss fights were extremely frustrating. And yeah, we I never... I got, like, one new weapon in the, in the seven hours of play. But then in co-op, we've found all sorts of new weapons, and... Um uh, and everything just works way better in co-op. Uh it's interesting. It does, yeah. Yeah. And looking at the weapon list there's like there's like a 100 weapons in that game. Yeah. Where <laughs> are I, they? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean we found again we found them in co-op, but I, I don't I feel like yeah, in solo you just have to play way more maybe because in co-op you just you conquer a lot more territory more quickly so you're progressing faster. I don't really know. Been very thorough um, in
0: my solo playthrough like checking every place. Yeah, I was too. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely some cool additions, like the strange puzzles amongst some of the <laughs> levels. There's also just like more interesting events at the end of uh, like the small dungeons, bigger variety in biomes. Like I said, I'd be just, um, I don't know. I was expecting a little bit more. The balance feels weird. And again, like the movement is also the exact same with that kind of like slow clunky dive roll being your only method mm. of evasion. And yeah, I I still like, like the franchise. I'm glad it's doing well, but was expecting a bit more from this. Uh, I know it's weird to start a top 10 list with a bit of a negative tone, <laughs> but for people who know my taste, Remnant 2 should probably be higher on my list.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to remember where it was, like where the original was for you. Probably not a, a whole
0: lot higher, because it yeah. was still like a niche, kind of strange, very double A thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think I got caught up a little too much in critical reception and the amount of people were talking about it. Mm. Um, but regardless, I am happy that it did well. I think, and that people played it.
1: Yeah, seems it seems like that was the case. I think they they said it was fairly successful, which is good. I'm still
0: looking forward to playing through it and finishing it. I've heard some infamous things about the last boss, which should be interesting.
1: Hmm. Bad, infamous, not enjoyable type. Yeah,
0: I've heard it's kind of a pain in the ass. (laughs)
1: Okay. I mean, I found every boss to be a pain in the ass solo, but a breeze in co-op. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting.
0: It will be interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. But I hope whoever makes that game, I can't remember who they are. My apologies. I hope they continue to do well and make more things.
1: They're doing weird stuff and I like that.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised no one has jumped on the From Software Shooter kind of like hybrid genre. Yeah. Maybe they will.
1: Maybe they will. Um... Yeah, so I, I have a, a certain a, a brief trend for the for the sort of like first three games on the list. Well, I don't know. It sort of applies to two of it definitely applies to two of them, but the third one is maybe a little more. Anyways, I uh, I have a few unfinished games on my list, which is ah. abnormal. As as in I never finished them not there in early access or whatever. Um, <laughs> right, right. Uh or unpolished cuz that uh, yeah, anyways. Um yeah, I, I I was struggling to put together the last few, and I think that struggle was because I was like, oh, I haven't finished these games. I can't put it on the list, and I don't know why I was thinking that. I mean, I my list has no rules. I do whatever I, I want. Know, yeah, uh, I know what you're saying, though. But um, yeah, I, I realized, and this will probably be a surprising number 10 as well, but I realized looking back on the year that it was a major highlight, uh, even if I did not finish it, and that was Hi-Fi Rush.
0: Oh, that was this year?
1: <laughs> that was like January... F- 20th wow. or something. yeah. Like a long so time it's, ago. It's been out for over a year as of this recording. Um, yeah. But yeah, I... um, Yeah, looking back on the year, I was like, oh, this game, I actually had a really great time with it, and I did not finish it, but that's okay. I got about 75% of the way through it, though, which is more than I ever thought was going to be possible because of the style of game, which is, like, combat to the beat, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh I did hit a wall where the difficulty. There's like this weird crazy sort of Sekiro enemy that you have to parry like a bunch of times to the beat perfectly. And I just couldn't I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, but that was okay because and I wanted to give it like its props because this style of game, I don't know. I, I'm just calling gonna call it a rhythm game, but it's not, you know, yeah, yeah. rock band. But it is a, a game to the rhythm or to the beat they none of them have worked at all for me. I think it's like a really cool idea, but uh what was the Zelda one, Cadence of Hyrule and the the weird yeah. hell one uh and the BPM these ga- like none of them have worked at all for me. Like I I played like 15 minutes of Cadence of Hyrule. like I literally have no idea how to play this video game. Uh but they because I don't under- I don't know what beat is to music that's what I've realized <laughs> yeah. over the years I don't know what it is and I can't hear it I don't understand it it's the metronome ticking and I just I don't get it but they did a lot of really smart stuff with this game with the um, I mean a the, the the beats start like it starts fairly slow and accessible but they also make the entire environment also move to that yeah uh, so like all the signs and lights and everything is just sort of tapping its foot along with you. And it made it surprisingly easy to keep up with it. I did not turn on the sort of metronome ticker across the bottom. I found that really distracting, actually. And so I was able to play it basically like a, like what it is, which is uh, like a character action game playing it to the beat. And all that stuff worked, uh, and it made it... So that it could play that game seventy five percent of the way through, which is you know six hours or seven hours, uh, and that uh, is more than I've ever managed with any of these games. And I think it's like it's such a cool idea. Yeah, I it wish is. it was easier for dumb people like us <laughs> it's to, to be to... smart. No, it's not. It's it's like a fundamental just brain understanding thing that that I just don't get right.
0: Yeah, but
1: uh, they did a great job with it, and honestly. As successful as all the gameplay stuff was, what really kept me coming back was the personality of the game. I I found it just... It's probably the most charming thing I've played all year. Uh, All of the the character work, the visuals, the music, the the sort of humor, the visual flourishes, uh, it was all just incredibly charming all the way through. It's funny. It's endearing. There's some weird, goofy stuff in it. There's a hilarious Twin Peaks reference. Yeah. Uh, There's just... Uh, it's just a weird, cool thing. And the fact that it just shadow dropped on Game Pass from Microsoft, it was one of those things where you're like, this is what I want to see more of from in between the big boring Starfields and Spider-Mans and God of Wars. You know, like let the let these these companies have a lot of money and a lot of people, let them spend a few years making a weird rhythm throwback sort of PS2 feeling game. Uh, but it was also
0: randomly from the Evil Dead guys, which was And it's from the strange. Evil Dead
1: team, which is bizarre. Yeah, they went from Evil Dead 2 to Ghostwire Tokyo to this. And it's like so tonally different. Um, yeah, I, I just found the entire experience to be really, really enjoyable. Is and Evil Dead was, right? Evil Dead? Uh, is that correct? No, Evil Dead is the movies. Uh, the Evil Within. Evil Within. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, right from the get-go, I was like, oh, this game has like buckets of charm and yeah, it, and it, it does. carries that all the way through and I, I i should really go and watch the rest of it because i actually liked the characters and want to see what other jokes they have and what other fun moments they have cuz it it was like laugh out loud funny on mo- multiple occasions which is not something most games uh can say so good for them i would i want just more things that sort of have this energy not necessarily rhythm games but like Just weird, out of nowhere, ha-ha, we made this weird thing. It's $40 or free on Game Pass, and it's out right now. Uh, It was just a fun sort of moment last year. Good way to start things off, yeah.
0: I played a chunk of it, and I enjoyed it. I think that game does absolutely everything in its power to get (laughs) you into the beat. Yeah. And I still, like, struggled with it. And I don't know, there's something... I'm kind of with you we having that brain thing of really struggling to get into the beat within these video games. Is mm-hmm. I I would say that I'm quite a I'm quite a, I, I think I'm quite a rhythmic person outside of video games, but it's something about like padding your head and rubbing your tongue yeah. where you're playing a video game and also doing it to a beat, which feels so unnatural to me that I have to like focus so hard. I never <laughs> get into a flow state. I was playing yeah. like. I think I got through three of like the major levels in that game and I just right. never felt like I was getting better. I always had to have the on screen circle beat visualizer thing. And I was like leaned into my monitor, just like duh duh duh. duh. <laughs> and I don't know, just like never getting better at a game and having to concentrate so hard in the game getting like more multi layered, I just kind of tapped out of it. I-, I think my brain doesn't work for that genre. Uh, but I respect that game a lot. It's cool.
1: Yeah, I would love to know what it is about that that makes that makes it so hard for us cuz yeah, I I like you obviously listen to lots of music and I don't listen necessarily like pay attention to music very much but I I don't know. I I have a lot I have it in my head all the time and we we work with music all the time and I understand the concepts but yeah, with <laughs> it is a very weird thing when it comes to games
0: i don't know the the gamer instincts are stronger than the musician instincts i guess so yeah i can't like hold back a button press when i want to hit something even if the beat isn't ready yet i just want to hit something
1: yeah i definitely got into the flow state with it uh more often than not and it was very satisfying when that would happen uh and then and then it was inversely extremely unsatisfying when i was Getting the, you know, yeah. offbeat every time, and I was like, "Oh, fuck off!" Uh, and even <laughs> yeah, the, even so when bad. I would do a level and be like, "Wow, I did so well that level," it would still pop up the score at the end and be like, "You got to see. I was like, <laughs> "Fuck! Are you kidding? I owed that level. I was on beat all the time." Yeah. And it's like, "No, you were on beat forty nine percent of the time." I was like, "Oh, whatever. I'll take it." Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I
0: think I like to get better as a get at a game as it goes on, and I like to feel like I'm mastering it. And with right. that genre I can just never achieve that at all. I feel like I'm just tripping over my feet for the whole thing. Yeah. Maybe one day, I don't know.
1: I think there's also a, an aspect of that game's personality that makes it feel a little more appropriate when you are sort of stumbling through it because it's sort of a scrappy goofus character uh and I don't know, yeah, it, it it felt less serious than something like the uh the the doom shooter one uh where it's just like if yeah. you're not playing perfectly, yeah. So I don't know. I think the they they every yeah, like you said, they did everything in their power to make it as accessible as possible, and I think it worked for me seventy five percent of the time, <laughs> and then I couldn't progress anymore. But that's okay. I'm okay <laughs> yeah. with not beating a game. I had a great time with it uh, in those seven hours or so. Nice. All
0: right, my number nine uh, is Cocoon. Right. Um, I don't really have a lot to say about it. We talked about it very briefly on the podcast. Um, The game has one of the coolest aesthetics of the year for me. It has such a strange, twisting, alien look to it, but it looks like glossy and clean in a way which I really like. And the game basically has no UI. I can't remember now if it has any UI elements, but it's really just a clean and sharp looking game. Um, But I think the most impressive thing about the game is, is, in theory, it should be very complex. You're essentially diving into different levels which are physical objects in other layers of the game which you can carry around and interact with. Um, That's going to make no sense in a sentence, but maybe if you played the game or seen the game, it might make some sense. And I feel like when developers do a concept like this, It becomes like this mental exhaustion spinning plate thing where you're like, okay, A was here, B was here. And Cocoon wasn't like that in a way which might be a negative for some people. I know some people really like seeing a bundle of red thread tangled up and your job is to mentally untangle all of this shit in a puzzle format. Mm. Um, But Cocoon makes you feel really smart in a way where you're not actually being really smart. It's just a game of great direction. Um, And I just found it really well-paced and really satisfying. Um, And I finished in like two sittings and I just thought it was really fun and cool. I think when I started Cocoon, um, I would played a bunch of quite challenging games. I can't remember exactly what I was playing, but Cocoon was surprisingly easygoing. Uh, It's it's way more easygoing than you would expect for a game which works like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, super tight, super clean some really cool boss fights and aesthetics and sound design um yeah if you like puzzle games i would give it a go i think we said in the podcast that the finale could have been a bit more climactic and maybe a bit more demanding um but yeah it's more the cool factor and the pacing of this game which really stood out for me and i think i played it at the right time of the year for what i was kind of looking for
1: yeah that game was i enjoyed that game even though we you know i sort of dunked on it or it felt like i was dunking on it on the podcast i had a good time with it as well and it was nice to just that was another thing we should have put at the start it's like it was nice to just like be able to beat a game yes a short period of time and not spend months with it that will come up more later on in the list i would say uh maybe
0: that's the thing i was looking for yeah it was like
1: six hours maybe less yeah i think it was like yeah four or five for me and yeah that's another aspect of like what I meant when indie games were missing this year for me. It's just like, cause one of the nice things with a good indie game is like, you can get through it in a short period of time and it's satisfying yeah. and you have a good time with it. And, and Cocoon was one of the only game, uh, Cocoon might be the only indie game I beat this year. I don't know. <laughs> I should go look, but yeah, it was like a very accessible, very pleasant four or five hour experience. Yeah, it was. Okay. Uh, number nine is, a multiplayer game. I can't believe it. It's the finals.
0: Ah, yeah, nice.
1: Which just snuck in because it came out December like 15th or something and I only started playing it in January, so I technically haven't put a, any time into it at all last year. Actually, that's not true. I guess we played the alpha for like an yeah. afternoon in March, but so it feels a little weird, but um I also want to acknowledge verbally that I am cursing this game and dooming it to die by putting it on my top 10 list because every <laughs> multiplayer game I've ever put on one of these lists turns to ash in my hands about eight months after the fact, so...
0: Yeah, but not many multiplayer games haven't turned to ash at this point, so...
1: That's true, that's the true. The odds are not in your favor. No, no, and that's fine. I've, I've not put like an enormous amount of time into the finals, about 12 hours, and that includes our uh, recording sessions, but the game is just fun... Yeah, and I I don't know what el- like how to quantify that too much because it, it's just all I do is quick cash the unranked default mode, uh, and I mostly just play as the big dumb heavy, and the game just has a great sense. It, it's got like all the right elements of good game feel plus objective chaos. play plus chaos, which is what I want. Like that's that's what made Halo Three so. P- Powerful for so many years. That's what made Battlefield One. It was really great, uh, mm. so fun. Is like this game reminds me probably the most of Bad Company Two of any game I've played in a long time, which isn't surprising since most of the main senior people on this game are from their their Battlefield people. So, uh, but just focusing players around an objective and then giving them lots of tools and letting everything blow up real good and having like good physics and interactions and stuff like that just makes for weird, goofy things happening all the time. And the Finals is extremely good at doing that. I think it's one of the best games I've played multiplayer-wise for letting you be annoying in your own special way. And, <laughs> yeah. and holy fuck, it's so annoying to deal with some of the versions of annoying that I don't play as, a.k.a. like the, the stabby people or, or the sniper or like the big sledgehammer. All of those playstyles are annoying and I don't like them and i don't like dealing with them but i know also that my playstyle is super fucking annoying as well and so i'm <laughs> annoying everyone else and you can tell in a multiplayer game when you've pissed someone off right because they just like start hounding you um and and sort of bullying you and i feel like that happens a lot in the finals and i like that <laughs> because i know i pissed someone off with Yeah my i love bullshit. being annoying in
0: games it's great.
1: Yeah. Um yeah it's just it's just a lot of fun. And it's it's full of lots of really intelligent game design decisions. Like, there's just a thousand little smart things. Um, and a really good, like, s- example of that is... I didn't even realize this until recently. When you revive someone with the defibu- defibrillator, uh, they come back with 50% HP mm. instead of 100%. When you revive them manually, which is slow, they come back with 100% HP. And, like, that mm. is a perfect sort of summary of, like, smart balance and trade-offs it's easier to you know you revive someone quickly but they have less health so they're more vulnerable or you risk it to revive them slowly and they come back with full hp uh there that's the sort of design thought that is applied to pretty much every uh everything in the game and it's surprisingly well balanced for how much stuff there is for how there's three different character classes with different health pools and tons of different weapons uh, I think it needs more maps. There's only four maps in the game. And they do a good job with like different times of day and fog and r- weather and events and stuff like that. But it's a little lacking for maps. Uh, mm. And I think their solo modes or like any... I think all the modes that aren't the main mode are actively bad. But I don't really think that's so much of a problem, at least for now. Because the main mode I just find quite fun for... You know, you jump in and play like two games every four days or whatever and be like, that was a great time. And then I then I just move on. And uh, yeah, it's the, it's the first multiplayer game I've had any fun with since Apex Legends, which was f- five years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's saying something. So I had to put it on here.
0: I need to put more time into it for sure.
1: I also just like all of its uh, aesthetics. I think like. Yeah, me too the maps look like the art style the the clothing it all of it's like weirdly good and just sort of clean shop and modern and just sharp yeah uh yeah the whole thing just has a good style to it that i like a lot and yeah it's just it reminds me of bad company 2 more than anything and and that sort of chaos that i i miss a lot from multiplayer games it it just doesn't feel very despite it being objective based it just doesn't feel very serious and that's what i like
0: (laughs) i think my only fear with that game is skill gap
1: of course and when you
0: at the moment it feels a little niche um maybe that's just comparing it to the mega big triple a boys yeah um i'm just worried that it's a game that I would like to play every now and then, Saturday night. It feels like a cool game to play with the boys, maybe with a couple of beers. Yeah. And if it gets really sweaty, that could maybe be a deterrent for like, jumping in and playing it. Because to me, it really feels, like you said, like a casual, fun time. But the tool set and the like elements and layers of strategy you can incorporate like seem really deep. Yeah. Like It seems like you can do some crazy shit in that game. And part of me is actually really excited to see what the highest level of play looks like. Because I can only imagine in like two years what people are doing in this game with the physics and some of the harder to use builds. Uh, But yeah, I think if I had had more time to play it this year, it also would have been on my list. Um, And I do want to play more of it. I'm just hoping that it doesn't turn into a sweat fest as maybe the player base goes down. Maybe that's a pessimism thing. Hopefully... Uh, A lot of new people continue to come in so that I can play against them (laughs) because
1: that's me. It has the advantage of being free to play, which I think is vital for, you know, a new multiplayer game. So uh, there are definitely, I can definitely tell when I play, like if I play after, I don't know, 7 p.m. Pacific time, it's a nightmare because, which makes sense because it's late. Like most of the world is asleep. I'm playing against sickos on the West Coast or insane ultra skilled you know like japanese or korean players and oh, yeah. good. it's wild like it's a playing a completely different game when you're up against good players but uh i think yeah i, I mean it's almost assuredly going to become a sweaty nightmare unplayable bullshit horrible uh thing in six months but <laughs> great because every game has become that but i'm just sort of pretending like that's not going to happen and and f- when i play it I would say 80% of the time I've had a, a good time and felt like the balance was there and people were just sort of playing, you know, and just shooting the shit. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there is an enormous skill gap in that game and it will make it... They'll have to keep the balance there and they'll have to keep the matchmaking smart uh, to keep it accessible for new players to come in because it's there's a lot going on in that game. It's nice to have a multiplayer game that's fun. Like, There's just something timeless about... Uh, shooting people, <laughs> shooting other players and pissing them off, you know? Yeah. Like, shooting AI is fun, but when you're doing it against another human, it's just, you know, I I really don't get that very much anymore, so. Mm-hmm. And it, there is a timeless quality to that.
0: Right. My number eight, just looking at the list here, I think, at least up to number seven, we are not going to have any overlapping games. Mm-hmm. Because my number eight is Mario Wonder, a Nintendo game on the list. Holy wow, shit. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, wait, there's another one. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> I
0: forgot that game came out. Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about Mario Wonder. Um I think a large portion of the game is actually not that interesting. I think the 2D yeah. old style Mario gameplay uh, hasn't aged that well, in my opinion. But there's something like really strange and endearing about the format. Uh, if people haven't played Mario Wonder, it's basically like a regular ass 2D Mario level. And in the middle is a seed which makes everything go fucking weird. Yeah. And I just found it exciting every single level to just see what was going to happen when you found the Wonder seed. And that it's a good gimmick, gimmick. That gimmick just worked all the way through. Uh, I don't play a lot of games on Switch, and I just picked away at it like two levels a day. And yeah, just never got bored of it all the way through. Um, There's also like this secondary objective to find some secret entrances to a special world. Uh, And I managed to find all of them except for one without a walkthrough. And that actually felt kind of novel for a Nintendo game. Uh, And yeah, I don't really have much else to say. It's clean. It plays well because it's Nintendo Mario. Um, And the weirdness felt like an interesting gimmick and captivated me all the way through and i just couldn't wait to see what shit was going to go down.
1: Yeah, Mario Wonder is not on my list. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. I I really wanted to love that game and I, it started strong but i just find the um the pace of it is just it's just so it's so easy and thoughtless that i i just couldn't yeah, it just didn't i bounced right off of it and that makes me sad because i really like the idea of 2d mario uh but it's just i get it you know mario has to be a lot of different things and i i think the sort of more modern exploratory poke around mario style game works much better in 3d than it does in 2d Um, i agree yeah i agree yeah i mean it's it's like there's so much good stuff and like it looks the game looks so good for a 2d switch game uh all the personality all the music elephant mario like everything is all that stuff is so good i just yeah and maybe i will sort of continue to poke at it but every time i tried picking it up after the first like four levels i would play like half a level and i would start like dying because i was like my eyes were basically glazed over and i was hardly even paying attention to what was happening because it was so simple and it made made me a bit sad (laughs) <laughs> because I really, I was really excited for Mario Wonder, honestly, and it's Actually, obje- like I was not that's the weird thing. I didn't give a I shit. Know. I know. I just got given it for,
0: uh, at Christmas from uh, by my sister, and yeah, yeah. I was, like, enjoying it.
1: And it's it seems great, but yeah, yeah.
0: The special world stuff is a bit more challenging.
1: Yes, yeah, I did see one or two of those, and I was like, yes, this is how I want my, I want all the levels to be, you know, like a a six to an eight out of ten difficulty. But yeah. And it's cool that they tuck those in there, but... Uh,
0: and you got to find them. Some of the yeah, them are really sneaky.
1: And it makes sense. Like, you, you can't make a, a hard Mario game, right? Because children have to be able to play it and enjoy it as well, and... Yeah. You know, I get it. Elephant Mario is probably the best new character of 2023. <laughs> yeah. The way he yeah. goes through
0: a door, and he's like, fat ass, is stuck it's in the so door good. for a second. The design <laughs> is so, so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great.
1: Oh, uh, Mario. It, it was nice to just, like, see Mario again, you know? Yeah. In some form. In and a do you new think
0: form. For me, the 2D format is I don't know, it's hard to really push the limits of it. Yeah. Um and especially the gimmick when Celeste of, yeah. exists. <laughs> yeah. And and the gimmick of just basically Mario going on like a psychedelic trip every two minutes was just
1: like weird and interesting to me. It's very funny. It's a it's a hilarious gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's great. It's great. Um well actually my number wait, what are we on? Eight eight yeah my number eight is an overlap game you have had it on your list and i'm actually surprised it was higher and i surprised myself with how high i put it which is remnant Two. Oh shit and like i said i played seven hours solo and i fucking hated it oh, shit. <laughs> but we played seven hours co-op and i just want to keep playing it in co-op because and i think the main reason it's higher than what you had it at is because I didn't play the first game, and so all of the eccentricities of what Remnant is are new to me, mm. and it is a truly bizarre, fascinating game. I, I find, uh, and and I just find the entire thing to work pretty much perfectly in co-op, and it's it feels very unique in co-op in the sense mm-hmm. that like most co-op that we play is like you know Lethal Company or Party Animals or whatever, yeah, and those are fine, but This is like scratching that destiny itch, but in a way um, more—I don't know—like intellectually stimulating sense from a game design perspective. Because it's so it like it feels like it's made by aliens a lot of the time, in a way that, (laughs) in a way that honestly only from software games feel like like all the FromSoft clones. Don't feel like they were made by aliens, except for Remnant, where you're just like, "What the fuck is this?" Like those giant puzzles are so weird. Uh, all of the like bosses are bizarre. There's just so much strange, fascinating stuff in there, and uh, and I, I really like getting that from from software games where you play something and, you're, and there's just so many interesting decisions that they've made with how they designed the game and that was obviously missing last year because i almost said because there were no new from software games and that's not true but um oh yeah their remnant 2 is the only one that really felt like that to me where it's just like this is just made by people that don't really give a shit about like modern design decisions. They're just doing exactly <laughs> yeah. what they want and it's and it works and it's really intriguing all the all the time I've found so far and uh, it's a little disappointing that we've gotten the same biome order that I got in single player but yeah. also though every pretty much everything we've seen in the same biomes that I saw in single player has been new stuff so that's uh a positive and it's made it it still feel pretty fresh and yeah, uh, yeah I I It may take the rest of the year to finish it in co-op, and that's fine, because it's fairly easy to pick up and play. And I I just decided to put it on here, and not at number 10. I decided to put it up a little bit, sort of like betting on the future, in a sense. Yeah, that's fair. Um, So I'm curious, you know, next year when we do our list, to look back and see where I ended up a year later on the finals and Remnant 2, because... I have a feeling I'm going to end up really fondly in looking back on the whole Remnant 2 experience when it's all said and done. Yeah, there's
0: two games on my list which I have not finished. So those are most likely to move around and one of them is Remnant 2. I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, so... And I will make a pact here where I will not Mm. finish that game solo first. Okay. I think think I'm a little bit ahead uh, on my solo Mm. playthrough. I just finished the Labyrinth um, and I'm on like the world after that. But if I get to the last boss, I'm putting that game down solo, and we will finish it co-op first. That is like okay. a a pact I'm doing for the team.
1: Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's super interesting. It's a it's a it's a very weird game, and yeah, super unique. Super unique. Yeah, fascinating, bizarre. Like that cube gun we got is just like what the
0: fuck? <laughs> yeah, I just got this that solo.
1: Is, this is such a weird gun. Like it's it really reminds me of like. The er, actually, I think I just realized it. Part a big part of the feeling I get from it is that early Destiny One feeling when mm. like, when Destiny One was actually new and we were playing it. You know, we we're like, what is this? Like, what is what is this? Like, who is this vendor? What is this currency? Um, and that was. I think a lot of that in Destiny 1 was unintentionally confusing, (laughs) but it was still intriguing. And, you know, when we went in, like, when I did the first raid in Destiny, it was like, what is this? I've never played anything like this. And Remnant 2, and Destiny's just gotten so predictable as it's gone on, which is not surprising. And Remnant 2 really uh, is scratching a lot of that intriguing itch, uh, but also being a good shooter. Like, it's a a super solid, uh, fun-playing shooter, so... Yeah, uh, yeah they, they did a really good job with that. And I'm glad I picked it up and started playing it with you guys.
0: I should really r- move Remnant 2 up one place on my list for one specific mechanic that I realized the other day, which is mm. that when you invest materials in a weapon, you can go to the blacksmith and get all those materials back. You yeah. lose the currency you invest to do it, but you get the materials back so you can experiment with different weapons, which no other game does like that.
1: It's very smart i also only realized that at the end of our last session yeah, yeah and it, it's every from
0: software game you get like near the end you get stuck with these two weapons which right. we invested all these things in you can't really afford to like reinvest into a whole new set of weapons but in that game you can just kind of experiment with everything which is awesome i don't know why elden ring doesn't have that
1: it's it's got like the FromSoft design ideas but it also have has much better quality of life than from soft games, uh, because they, they still want you to be able to have fun and like, yeah. experiment and are not so set in their ways, I think. Uh, and, and then that benefits them for just the game is more accessible and more enjoyable. Yeah.
0: Alright. My number seven is a game which only I played in the entire world. And oh, good. that is humanity.
1: Hey, I played humanity. You did you? Yeah, I played like the first two two chapter two acts
0: or so. Okay. Humanity is like lemmings made by aliens which is the short sy- synopsis I've got written down um it's from the Tetris Effect guys right yeah yeah and it kind of shows but in weird ways uh, it has a really unique and strange style art style uh, and the music in this game is absolutely amazing i love it's so the, good. the weird again alien is the word that my brain keeps going to the weird alien music it's got a great soundtrack This is a hard game to talk about. I think on the podcast, I was a little shy about going too deep into a discussion about humanity uh, because this is a puzzle game where it starts off with a certain format and then it kind of starts to break the rules of its own format and evolve in ways that you wouldn't expect. And it breaks out of the boundaries it sets and becomes something like completely different at certain points uh, throughout the game during different levels and different sections and the revelations and the moments of evolution in this game are really cool. Um, I love it when people break the rules and boundaries of their own games. I kind of talked about this last year with Vampire Survivors and comparing it to Risk of Rain 2 where it sets these rules and then smashes them and humanity doesn't quite go that far But it does radically change as it goes along in ways which really took me by surprise. And it kind of becomes like a completely different game at different sections. Hmm. Um, And yeah, I don't think I want to say too much about this game. There will be obviously video footage on the screen now. If it looks cool and you like the puzzle genre, there isn't a lot coming out anymore when it comes to good puzzle games, especially ones that are like 15 hours long. Um, It's really unique. And the Tetris Effect guys deserve your attention, at least in an artistic way. Uh, yeah, I give this a high recommendation. It feels like no one played this game this year. My voice is fucking like, I can't clear my throat today. So sorry if my voice is going. All weird and croaky. I don't know if I'm coming down with a cold, but Uh-oh. I thought like after a couple of games, I would shake it off. But my voice is just absolutely fucked today, which is perfect for a, for a video we do once a year. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have fun in editing. Uh, I think the only like complaint I have about humanity is there is some annoying chaos theory. Uh, later on in the game, you have a lot of humans, and that's what the game is based on. I'll, I'll call them lemmings. And there's so many of them, it becomes like a weird fluid simulation, and they bump into each other with physics. So sometimes your puzzle solution will run different different times, depending on like how the, right. the guys bump into each other and move and flow. And there's a chaos theory to the physics, which is kind of annoying, where sometimes I would like run my simulation, let's call it, and it wouldn't work. And sometimes I would run the simulation and it would be successful, which I think for a puzzle game is kind of irritating. I remember encountering that in Polybridge, where strangely my bridge would break sometimes and not other times if I changed nothing because of chaos theory and physics simulation. Right. Yeah, that's all I really have to say. There are certain chunks of the game which I don't think are as fun in their puzzle theme. Some puzzle chunks are different and some are more interesting and more exciting than others. And that's all I'm going to say. If you like puzzles, you should play it.
1: I still don't know how it escalates, but I wanted to make clear that Humanity is the the biggest honorable mention on my list and I wish I had... Seen it all through, and I will, I will be like get to it at some point. And I, I, liked everything about it. I've liked ev- all the time I put into it. I don't know. I just don't know when to play it. I think is my problem. Uh, I used to have like could be a good Steam Deck game, always on PlayStation. Yeah, well, you know, you can like you can do weird You can yes, you can do that in in some weird capacity. Um, I used to have like uh slower mornings where. I Poke away at like sort of puzzle or or like um, Thirteen Sentinels was a big morning game I remember fondly, and I don't know why I just I just wake up and I'm like I want to get going so that I'm done earlier in the day and but when I'm done work at the end of the day I don't want to play a puzzle game you know yeah and so I just haven't found the right brain space for a puzzle game uh, and and that game is like actively difficult when you're going for the goldies uh, oh yeah and, yeah like it's it's nasty. Um so I I will beat all of humanity at some point uh, and I really look forward to it because I like everything about it for sure. And it's got like this crazy good uh level b- builder as well so the community can just make levels for it as well which is mm. is cool. Um and I have no idea how it escalates so I'm fascinated to see where it goes.
0: Yeah, it follows the themes and journey that humanity has gone on and it uses that theming in cool ways
1: yeah that's all I'll say. If nothing else, look up the ads for this game on YouTube. They are amazing.
0: It has some very cool boss fights as well that plays with like fluid simulation interesting with individual humans.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did not see any of that stuff, so the last boss fight made my p s five like have frame drops, so that's amazing.
0: It was yeah, it's cool.
1: that is fantastic. um <laughs> my number seven is. An old game. DLC for an old game. I didn't I do, I would normally put this like at the bottom of the list. Modern because Warfare it's a, 3? Yeah, Modern Warfare 3 <laughs> is number seven. Woohoo! Got him! <laughs> Take oh, that, oh, Activision. <laughs> um, my number seven is Phantom Liberty for Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Nice.
1: Um, like I said, would normally put this lower, but like the other three games were sort of unfinished slash ongoing experiences. So um yeah, Phantom Liberty is excellent, start to finish. I didn't think I was going to get to it as soon as I did because I I wanted to. My intention originally was to like fully replay all of Cyberpunk, right? Mm. Um, and we actually chatted about this not too long ago. I think just to each other that um, Cyberpunk is like very memorable still, and and I, yeah. I I found that to be the case in in replaying. So I started fresh because I wanted to see you know, how the whole experience had changed uh, after three years of of being updated and all that. And um, I would say, like, the 15 hours or so that I put into the main original game before being able to access the the DLC, it was totally enjoyable and good in the same way Cyberpunk was back then, but I really did recall pretty much all of it very clearly. But then the DLC was... uh, the DLC is easily the best content in the game, uh, from hmm. start to finish. It's extensive, like it was twenty-five hours or so, probably. Damn! Yeah. Do- doing everything, the new zone, Dogtown, is the best area in the game, Pro- uh, visually, without question. Of course, they like they they ditched last gen for the DLC, so they're able to do a lot more interesting stuff with their engine. Um, not just visually, but also like density wise, uh, and even some of the gameplay. There's th- the whole opening, the opening 40 minutes of this DLC is better than any COD campaign in the last like eight <laughs> years. It's more cinematic and exciting and, and, uh, like it's a hell of a start. Um, and it's very action y. But then the rest of the DLC is actually like this really interesting, sort of s- slow, quiet, uh, like Spycraft DLC, they called it a spy thriller in their marketing, and that's uh, extremely accurate. It's pretty much just like a bunch of James Bondy feeling quests in a lot of ways, with lots of like, you know, this person and this like double agents and all the all the fun things you would want with spy stuff. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just nice to experience. Cyberpunk basically the way it was meant to be, I would say. Uh, you know, without yeah. all the all the bullshit from 3 years ago, all the jank, all the bugs, all the sort of scatterbrained ideas. They've really honed it in in the DLC uh into something that's much more, I would say, like a GTA experience where it's it's very linear in its mission design and choices and all that and it's going for a very cinematic experience, but then they let you uh, do a lot of RPG stuff with the skill trees and gameplay and all that. Uh, but th- the main reason it's on here is just because of the story stuff. Um, like I said at the beginning, there wasn't a lot of story this year that I found interesting. And specifically, the plot of games this year was not what I was interested in. Like the A to B to C, here's what happened in the story. Uh, not not much interesting this year. Lots of sort of... Uh, player stories and things like that but cyberpunk's phantom liberty story is genuinely good from start to finish and is intriguing and i wanted to see it through and it i have to say the ending that i went with is like one of the better game endings i've seen in a long time and it in Mm. fact ended the whole game it wasn't just a dlc ending it's a new ending they added sorry it's a new ending they added with the dlc but it doesn't just wrap up the DLC. It, it ends the entire game. Um, and is very different from the other base game endings of Cyberpunk, which I thought were pretty goofy. Um, yeah, like a, a surprise... It's weird when a game ends and it's like well shot and well timed. It reminded me of The Last of Us's ending in the way that it's like timed perfectly and tonally right for that whole experience. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's... It it reinvigorated a lot of the sort of um, I don't know like CD Projekt Red trust I would say because they eroded a lot uh, and they they I would say rebuilt most of it with Phantom Liberty and and reminded everyone that like yeah they're they're really good over there at uh, video game writing and world building and mm. art and. And gameplay, I sort of forgot how fun cyberpunk is to play. I, I played as a crazy sword-wielding lunatic, which I had not done before, and that's very fun and violent and <laughs> <laughs> insane. Uh, Yeah, that cyberpunk's good, you know? Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot recently. I'm not sure why. They just did a great job across the board with all of it. The new characters are really good. The storytelling stuff, especially if you go for the darker Choices uh, are are really tonally appropriate, also for that whole world, and and it was nice to just like not feel lost. Like the the fun part of Cyberpunk the first time was like we talked about back then the sort of like the tourist that's just like what the fuck is this world? This is insane. But now it's been three years. We played all of Cyberpunk. We watched the Edge Runners DLC. Like we're very familiar with all the the words and things in the Cyberpunk world, and it was nice to just sort of. Feel more like at home in that world and just be able to like experience and appreciate uh, other parts of it instead of sort of being overwhelmed by like the messy systems and also the insane world and all that stuff. It just feels Mm. more sort of uh, familiar in a way that lets you appreciate other parts of it more. So, yeah. Also, man, I played it immediately after Starfield and holy fucking shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good God.
0: Well, Starfield's it, still the last like RPG I played as well, so.
1: Yeah. It it yeah, it feels like 10 years ahead, 15 years ahead of Starfield. It was wild. Yeah, no shit. Uh and very refreshing. Most so. things feel 15 years ahead oh, of Starfield. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um and it just it looks so good. It's unbelievable. The ray tracing shit is so crazy, and it runs so well now. Oh man. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm super super interested in what they do next with uh, with Cyberpunk. I mean it's going to be 6 or 8 years probably before we see that, but P- Probably just a direct sequel, right? I don't know because like the you can't have the same main character, right? You can't have like uh, everything about the story stuff yeah, in Cyberpunk. In the world. Yeah, I presume you you set another game in Night City cuz I think that's like most of the Cyberpunk world is Night City. I don't know, yeah. but like mechanically Art design wise, all these things uh, fascinated because they're they're on a really good trajectory right now after Phantom Liberty. So and they've got a lot of smart people there now. Yeah. Um. And they they yeah they righted their wrongs pretty well. I would say.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to it for sure because I have not played Cyberpunk since 1.0. So. Yeah. And 1.0 is a generous thing to call 1.0. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. This is probably. The, yeah probably the most i don't know maybe the most controversial um position hmm. i have this year because it's my biggest guilty pleasure of the entire year and that is dead island Two.
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah people people shit all over this game man um people are wrong <laughs> i think so Um, I understand that it is maybe one of the least ambitious sequels of all time. There (laughs) isn't really much going on in this game except for slaying zombies and slowly getting better at doing that. Um, But I think the position of this game on my list maybe comes back to the TED talk I did at the beginning where I'm just looking for gamey ass games where you're just playing the game. And in Dead Island 2, you just unabashedly walk around and bash enemies, and and it's so disgusting and gory and visceral, and it's all you do in the game, and I just had an absolute blast with it, from the beginning all the way to the end, and I feel like it was the first game this year which made me realise that I'm losing touch, not losing touch, I'm moving away from like what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. Because like, the lack of complexity was such a contentious like negative for people. And to me, it's, it's like a positive. Like, this game chose to just do one thing, and it chose to do it well. And it didn't have a complex story, and it didn't have like super cinematic events and all this usual AAA drivel that I don't really give a shit about. It was just fun. Uh, and I don't, know, I don't have anything else to say about it. <laughs> it's a really good zombie-killing game. Uh, I think the game actually looks surprisingly good. Not just the gore stuff. I think it actually looks surprisingly sharp. It's got enough environments to keep me entertained, enough enemy variety and weapon variety to keep it, like, feeling fresh all the way through. If you like killing zombies, if you like Dead Island 1... Or honestly, um, what's the other one? Oh God, Dying Light.
1: Dying Light. <laughs> I
0: feel like anything where like it's about killing zombies, and I've kind of said in the past that these games, this genre, is kind of my guilty pleasure. I like Dead Island and Dying Light a lot. I just, I just think it's good. I just think it's a good one, and I don't really understand why people shouldn't it so much. Um, I guess I just want different things from what the majority of people are looking for nowadays in the big AAA games um i don't know if this counts as AAA, a but i think also after the infamous like hell developer hell yeah this game went through the fact that it even came out is a miracle and the fact that like it's fun i don't know i just feel like it should be kind of celebrated but uh yeah
1: i think uh, people foolishly thought that like oh it's been in development for nine years how could they make something so simple and it's like it wasn't in development for i mean The game that came out was not what they started working on nine years ago. The game that came out was made in like two and a half years or whatever. Mm. Uh, And and yeah, they did a fucking great job with it. It's not on my list. It's not in my honorable mentions, but I agree. I think Dead Island is way better than people gave it credit for. And it's completely good at what it set out to do. It had simple ambitions and achieved them perfectly.
0: I'm a hardcore defender of Dead Island 2. I I really shamelessly like this game. And it feels good to kind of put it on my list. Don't be mean to this game; it's fun.
1: The end. Yeah, I knew I knew it was going to be on your list, and I'm I'm glad because it was. It's a good game. Like it's com- it's completely solid.
0: We need more games like this. Where you're just killing stuff from A to B, and that's it. Yeah. And honestly, that that actually might be a little reductive. This game does have some cool, like, small RPG systems that do kind of change the way you play as you go through. You couldn't really break this game power-wise in a way which I think is really fun.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we did a good chat about it. Uh, we didn't do a lot of chats this year. I think that this is the first game we actually covered in a chat. First tower and game, yeah. The tower game, yeah. The first one. Um, my number six, I would... Sum up exactly like what you said is it was just fun and I just had a fun time with it, and that was Spider-Man 2. Ooh, okay. And I'm surprised it's this high because I I did not put the first game on my list and Miles Morales I put I think at number 10, mainly just to cover it because we we didn't talk about the PS5 launch at all anywhere. So but this I I absolutely enjoyed from start to finish. And I really didn't think I was going to do anything other than the main story, uh, and I ended up doing all the side stuff because it was just fun, and it's super well paced, and the variety is there. And we we had again, we, we sort of just talked about this relatively speaking it's a um, lot with to the tower. Yeah, it was the last game chat we did. Uh, I was going to say a few weeks ago, but it was probably a few months ago now. But whatever. Yeah, it still feels fresh. Go listen to that if you want more. It's just a fun super well-made triple A video game ass video game and it was a nice sort of uh it sort of reinvigorated the like I was sort of glum about Insomniac being stuck with Marvel, especially mm. after after seeing the leaks as well. But um even knowing that they were like they were making the Wolverine game and they're obviously gonna make Spider-Man 3 and it's like uh oh, okay. But uh and I just am so tired of Marvel stuff, but they 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 proved that, A, they're extremely good at making video games, and B, superhero stuff can be totally fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, Batman games were great, and this is the best one of those since, well, I guess Arkham Knight or whatever, nine years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just a good, fun video game time all the way through.
0: Yeah, we can do a smooth little segue here, because it's my number five, Spider-Man ah, ah, nice. Man 2. Nice. Yeah, like you said, we did a long chat on it not too long ago. Um, I think the best way to summarize it is uh, I didn't give a shit about this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wasn't excited at all because I was a bit burnt out on the format. Um, What was that line I had at the beginning of our talk? It was like, diminishing returns versus Insomniac's creativity. Yeah. And yeah, I think the sh- the too-long-didn't-listen-to-our-tower-talk was I definitely felt a little bit of fatigue with the combat loop and some of some of the movement. I do like the wingsuit. It is a nice mix-up. Um, but it was just like the bombastic nature of the story and how the world and the characters kept evolving in different ways. The really weird things that happened with the Venom playable characters and <laughs> yeah. suits. Um, it just really, really goes for it, and I love it when developers, movie directors, whoever just fucking go for it, yeah, and even though this game probably is gonna be higher for other people, um, I just respected the game almost more than I enjoyed playing it um I'm also a long time fan of insomniac, and it just like warms my dead heart to see them continue to you know climb the ladder every single time. um yeah. they've gotta be like triple a wise now like one of the biggest developers in the entire world and seeing them come from ratchet and clank is just kind of crazy
1: yeah in terms of frequency and quality i don't think anyone else has come close especially this generation they they're like single-handedly carrying the ps5 it's unbelievable yeah they put out miles morales which is cross-gen but then ratchet and Spider-Man 2 are exclusives. They feel exclusives. They feel next-gen, yeah. uh, at least visually. And it's only, like, they did that in three years. It's insane. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: It feels like if the Astro Bot guys were the biggest developer in the world in, like, 2027. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Don't tempt me. <laughs> God, where is the Astro game they've been working on for, like, four years? Yeah. Oh, God, I hope that's I that. out this fall.
0: Uh, yeah, Spider-Man 2... Um, I think a quote from our review was I went in not caring about Spider-Man 2 and I came out excited about Spider-Man 3.
1: (laughs) yep. That's an accomplishment.
0: Yeah, really, really stupid, fun, silly, schlocky game and I like all that stuff. They really went for it and uh, yeah, super fun.
1: Speaking of fun, silly schlock, Mm. the king of schlock is my number 5 and that was Resident Evil 4.
0: Oh, right, right, right.
1: Um, It was interesting to finally play, play Resident Evil 4. Again, we covered it on the tower, so there's a good long chat there. I had yeah. really no idea why people liked RE4 so much uh, and had no reverence for it. So it was interesting to play it. And I was for a while, quite a while sort of put off by the fact that it's for how I played it. Uh, And in my experience, it is an action game 100% with no tension or survival horror elements at all. And once I sort of came to terms with that, uh, it was easy to start to appreciate all the stuff it's good at. And just have a fun time with RE4. The combat is really solid. I found it a little simple, but it's okay. It gets by by. Because of its... Like, the simplicity almost works in its favor, in a sense, as it goes on. Because you can just sort of start um, just destroying everything. And it... Yeah, it was just fun and dumb. And, you know, I we like Resident Evil games. Uh, despite realizing when we did our top 100 that we had almost no Resident Evil games on any of our top 10 <laughs> lists for yeah. a decade. Which... I am really making sure to remedy now, um, so that like I like there was no chance in hell RE4 wasn't going to be on the list. Uh, I still cannot believe RE7 was not on either of our lists. That <sighs> what just the hell is that mind. about? It's not my favorite Resident Evil game, but as a as a fun action adventure, it was fantastic. And I, I more than ever, and this is a trend that sort of continues. I want 15-hour linear action-adventure games to come back. I miss them so much. Yes. Pacing. (laughs) Yes. They're paced well. Resident Evil 4 is paced phenomenally. I think the Separate Ways DLC is better than the base game, and I played that. I haven't even played that yet. It's Yeah, I played it very recently, um, and it almost moved the entire game up on my list uh, because (gasps) it's three and a half hours, 15 bucks, and it is a recap of the entire, like all the major beats from the 20 hour base game are there, except you do it in three and a half hours. And like the pace is amazing.
0: I'm excited. Yeah,
1: it, it 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 was great. It was a great time all the way through. It is not, I like Resident Evil when it's at least trying to be a little bit scary um, or tense, um, but they didn't want to do that with RE4 and that's fine. And I respect it also from the sort of Like academic side of oh, people love RE4 the original, and apparently they did a fantastic job and respected the the original while remaking this game and you know doing their own thing with it. I I can't do the compare and contrast because I don't know, but they did a fantastic job with it, and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I still want to see Resident Evil pull back on the action um, because it's that's just what I want uh, from Resident Evil, but they did a good job making a really dumb action game. (laughs) Yeah. RE4 is very silly, and I'm sure we will talk about it again later. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe.
0: Alright. Number four. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is, for me, the biggest surprise of the year, and I don't think... You'll see this one coming. Uh, my number four is Lies of P. Wow. Lies of P.
1: I knew you'd been playing quite a bit of it, and I suspected it might show up, but I yeah. was not thinking number four. I'm impressed. S- I... You don't like Souls knockoffs. What happened? How did this happen? This is a, wow.
0: Someone made a really good one.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's About fucking Pinocchio.
0: <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, like Jameson just said, I don't really care about From Software, um, knockoffs, spin-offs, different developers trying to do what From Software does. Sometimes I don't even click with what From Software themselves do. I have played all of them. Um I think Dark Souls 2 is the only one I never finished, and I wouldn't consider myself a, like a super fan. Um I've again, like I said, I've finished most of them. I played Sekiro and Dark Souls 3 the most, but I I pretty much just play their games and move on. And I don't really crave the genre that much. Um I tried Neo, and I did finish Neo 1. And outside of that, like I I tried the Surge and I was like, nah. And I keep seeing game after game after game come out and try to do what From Software is doing. Especially in like the indie AA space. I remember I always fucking forget it. The anime one. Where you're like a vampire. Oh god, I don't know,
1: dude. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um,
0: I, I forget. I remember Mortal Shell. People were really excited about Mortal mm. Shell. And I look at these games like I scoff. <laughs> you can't just do what From Software does, you plonkers. It, it took From Software 10 years to get the balance right. It's like a nuanced little balance. Because when you're making a game which is difficult, it's very easy to make a game which is just annoying. There's a very like thin line that you have to tread. And also from software are just like masters of world design, enemy design, music. Um, So when I saw Liza P, I was like, good fucking luck. Um, You're not going to make a Bloodborne game. You just can't do it. I I don't even know who these people are. Um, They've never made a game before. No. (laughs) So when the game came out, I ignored it completely. I didn't play it. People said it was good, but I just ignored them because From Software people think everything's good, dude. I didn't yeah. even think Elden Ring was like the best game they've ever made, and people said it was the best game ever made in the world, <laughs> yeah. not just what From Software made. So there's like hyperbole and enthusiasm from these From Software fans, which I just um, ignore. But I went through uh, a big break in video games after Starfield and Alan Wake Two. I hit a wall, um, and I just like wanted a gamey game with lots of gameplay. Um, Liza P was on Game Pass and I was like maybe I haven't been getting enough use out of my subscription to Game Pass this year let's at least download this full game uh, and give it a go and yeah um, this is another game that I haven't finished I looked at like um, a walkthrough's contents I feel like that's a good way to like mm. see how long a game is without spoiling it and it seems like there's 11 areas and I'm on area 9 um, so I'm getting there So I don't know if it's going to climb or decline on this list. Maybe later on, maybe next year we'll do another recap. Um, But so far, this game is really, really good. Hmm. And I'm really shocked. And I don't know how they managed to do this. I like this game more than a few of From Software's games. This is, without a doubt, the best attempt at being a From Software game ever. Wow, um, I know Team Ninja have had success, but I really feel like Neo has done its own thing and kind of created mm. its own identity. But Lighter P is unabashedly and like it has no shame about how much it is taking from From Software in a way which I think is a little dangerous. It is so close to what From Software makes that I don't know copyright law. Call the lawyers. <laughs> But it's really close. There's, there's, yeah. there's like a the, it controls the same, every mechanic is the same. This boss souls like it has the Sekiro parry stagger, it has Bloodborne rallying, it has the dodging iframes from all the games. It just feels like every from software game put into one. And that is a really good mix, it turns out. It turns out if you mix Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and Sekiro all together. It makes for a really, really fun and exciting combat system. Hmm. Um, the one thing that Liza P does, which is original, is its weapon mix-and-match system where every weapon can be snapped in two where you have the head of the weapon and you have the handle of the weapon. And you can mix the head and handle of every weapon in the game to make like different configurations of things. Huh. And every head and handle has its own unique weapon art, to say. Um, and that's really fun. It's fun to like take the rip off the head of an electric weapon and like stick it to a fire axe pole so it's like this slow, heavy, sparky thing. And there's loads of like crazy, interesting weapons, and it's just fun to experiment with them all the way through. Um, like I kind of mentioned with Remnant 2, I am kind of in that place where I've invested so much upgrade material in like two of the weapons I have that I am kind of stuck with like the two or three weapons I have at the moment. Um, but still. The weapon system and combat in this game, they're really fucking cool. I, I think the base melee combat is better than Elden Ring. I wow. really do. Um, there are obvious areas that this game cannot compete against from software, and that's going to be, you know, budget scale stuff. It, mm-hmm. It's got less areas. The the art is not as good. The music isn't as good. The enemy variety isn't as good. Uh, but this game has some incredible boss fights with some really like amazing design and animation and across the whole board this game just has like more going on than i really expected it's a long game i'm like 23 hours in i've got like the hardest bosses to go so it wouldn't surprise me if like the last three areas of the game they take me like a decent chunk of time and this takes me like 30 hours to get through it's a really extensive and impressive offering from someone's first attempt in this genre um, I just I dunno how they did it.
1: Yeah, it's kinda of wild.
0: It's a really, really competent and impressive attempt at what from software does. And for me, it 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 kind of matches some of the stuff they've done. Wow. I I think it's below Sekiro. I still think Sekiro is the best in the genre. And obviously Elden Ring is a scale project where you get so much bang yeah. for your buck. Um, and
1: Bloodborne, you haven't been able to replay, so it's hard to for you to compare. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think Bloodborne is way more fluid, and the art design of Bloodborne is better. But I don't know. This game can like when it comes to like Dark Souls one, two, and three.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I don't wow. know. I think it would be up to your like personal tastes. Like again, like if you were doing objective it would always lose an art design and yeah. enemy variety because you can't go against a mega triple A boy like From with all the the practice and the art. But when it comes to playing the game, I think this is better than Dark Souls. I actually do. Wow. It's kind of incredible.
1: Yeah, I'm sort of shocked because I know you're picky and and have been completely uninterested in every FromSoft knockoff that's come out. Like they, Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe with the exception of Neo, but that, like you said, is a fairly different thing at this point. Yeah, they found but their own
0: space with Neo. Yeah,
1: yeah. But all the others, like the um, fa- uh, Fallen, Kings of, Lords of the Fallen, you know, those oh, yeah. things. yeah, that's a good example. Lords of the Fallen. Because yeah. that just came out as well, right Right close to Liza P. Yeah. Um, and that's what I presumed Liza P was going to be, where it's like, yeah, it's fine. There um, needs but... to be like separate names. Like Neo is inspired by from software
0: but did its own yeah. thing. And then you have stuff like The Surge, which is just from software but with a different flavor, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And that's where Light of P lands. It's just from software like, but with its own spin. Um, and no game that has tried that before has been successful for me. Um, and this is like just successful. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> they did I'm
1: really. They've never surprised. made a game
0: before. I don't know how they did it.
1: That's what was crazy.
0: I w- I would say I I do have one major complaint, and I think the parry window is too small in this game. Hmm. Um, it, it's it's quite a large mechanic in the game to perfectly parry an enemy to bring their stagger down to do like the big impactful hits. Um, there is dodging, so you don't have to always go for the perfect parry. But um, it's just like more satisfying, more effective. So it just kind of feels like the game is pushing you to kind of focus on parrying. Mm. And it is fucking brutal. Like you have got to be on it. And every enemy kind of does like the Elden Ring slow wind up attacks. So you have to just mm. learn through memorization of timing. And there's just a lot of times in of P where I die and I feel like I blocked perfectly. Obviously, right. I didn't because I got hit. But I'm not a computer. I'm an evolved monkey who's yes. 30 years old. I, so when my brain thinks I did something perfectly, it probably means it's computed a little too harshly because
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm not a computer and I'm getting older. So I just feel like if they would open the parry window a little bit, um, it would have been more satisfying and it would have felt less like I'm being cheated, even though I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's it. That's all I've got. Uh, it's also brutally hard at times, um, specifically the boss fights. I would say like the A to B between the boss fights where you're just like exploring, looting and killing ads all feels probably easier than From Software games. But the bosses are fucking ruthless. The last <laughs> boss I beat took me five hours. Oh, God. Um, Which is the same as Melania from Elden Ring. Oh, my God. So, yeah. And I'm not even Jesus. like at the last chunk of bosses yet. They are fucked up. Wow. But the game does have a um, summon, you know, whatever you want to oh, call it, sure. summon mechanic where you right. can bring in, I think it's called a specter. Um, I have not been using that because it's just not how I like to play those games, but um, it has some, like, um, alternatives if you don't fancy the idea of a five-hour boss fight. Okay, yeah. You can bring good. in dudes to help you. Right, right. Of course you can. It's
1: a FromSoft clone. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh. Yeah. Cool. It's yeah i i don't know it's the most successful from software clone ever in my opinion wow and it's by someone who's never made games before a south korea developer yeah i I still don't can't remember what their name is but uh wow uh whatever they play next i will take them very seriously and shame on me for being so uh judgmental
1: yeah i I didn't think
0: (laughs) i didn't think it was possible to just copy what someone else does because there's like nuance and tiny right. little details that make those things work, but, but they figured it out. Well, I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> they did yeah, it. They copied the homework really well.
1: <laughs> I know. Uh, the, I know how the game ends, and they set up a sequel. Uh, and I would imagine with the success, with the success it saw, it'll get that sequel made. Uh, so yeah. I'll be super interested to see what they do next and how they. Maybe how they step into a little bit more of their own thing instead of just being like so blatantly copying someone else, you know. Yeah. Uh and especially we'll being... early on, like you said, I think you said like the art style does go places, but it like does, all the trailers yeah. and all their marketing and all the early stuff was just like remember Bloodborne, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, a lot of Yarnum. Yes, or early Yarnum stuff. It just looks so much like that. It does vary things up
0: a bit more as it goes along, That's good. but there is still like a lot of like industrial steampunky mixed with bloodborne stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, but there's some like fantastical stuff along the way as well. Uh, yeah, it's that game's really sick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that game's really sick. But I haven't beaten it yet. Um, I really wanted to beat it before we did this chat, but it's just long, man. It's long right. and really difficult.
1: Yeah, and you don't want to uh, force get... yourself through it, especially when yeah. it's challenging. Yeah.
0: So we'll see. It might climb the list. I might find the end really annoying. You know, last boss fights can be, uh, oh, yeah. you know, so we'll see.
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm. But yeah, biggest surprise of the year for me.
1: Cool. I, I am, yeah, wow. I'm sort of shocked to hear that. <laughs> I know. Don't surprise you. Um, number four? My number four is Dead Space. Hmm. Nice. Dead Space is great. Dead Space Um, is great. I was surprised. I think what was interesting about revisiting Dead Space is I really realized how much of an impact Dead Space 1 and 2 had on me back in the day. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I was replaying it, and I was remembering a lot. Like, a lot of... As soon as I get to an area, I was like, oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember that. And I went and looked uh, through my achievements and and stuff on the Xbox profile, and I was like, no, because I, I thought I had re I thought, oh, I must have replayed Dead Space a bunch to remember it this clearly after. F- I mean, it came out in 2008, so I probably played it in 2010 or whatever. So like 14 years, 13 years later, I remember it so well. No, I had only played that game once, so it obviously stuck with me. Mm. Um, and it was really fun to revisit, uh, because. I don't know. Like uh, this is one of these things where it's just like I just like uh well I guess I just like alien a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and Dead Space is basically an alien game. Mm, yeah. And a survival horror actiony thing and I think I don't, it just it it the visual they did such a good job of visually and audio uplifting it. Uh, and polishing the whole package up. Uh, I just, I had a, basically a perfect time playing through the, yes. the game. Yes, it's, yes, yes. It's, again, 10 to 15 hours. Uh, and the reason it's above RE4 is two things. One, because just, I think the setting, I, I just love the setting. I love creepy, abandoned, gothic spaceship, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I also just find it a little more stressful to play. Uh, it, it, it is, you know, sort of clunkier and obviously trying to be spookier. I don't think the game is scary at all. Actually, it was kind of fun uh, going through it again and and just realizing how jump-scare heavy it is and, and just yeah. finding it all sort of endearing in a way. But the general moment-to-moment mood of Dead Space is much more tense than yeah, something like atmosphere. Resident Evil. It's atmosphere, and, and that those things add to the experience and I think put it above Resident Evil for me just because... Of those two, like the setting and the vibe being a little more stress-inducing, even though mm-hmm. it's not really a scary game. Uh, and I, I, you know, I've said it already, and it it applies to a lot of things on this list. Um, and this is really the game that made me realize what I had hinted at earlier. A lot of the games remind me of a certain thing, and that is like the 360 era, right? Hmm. The 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 360 era um is sort of present in spirit in a lot of ways throughout most of the games on this list in various capacities like Spider-Man reminds me of the Batman games right Resident Evil Dead Space obviously are from that era specifically uh but just like linear well-paced lots of action not much cutscenes good visuals and after 15 hours it ends and yes. and you have just this great fun roller coaster experience yes and uh, Dead Space was that, and I—it's I, on my Dead Space is definitely on that like sort of short list of I will replay this regularly because it's just ticking all the boxes for me, like yeah. setting, visuals, performance uh, of the PC port, uh, and it feels good. They—they they made smart little changes. Uh, they brought some of the like Dead Space two and three design things backwards, uh, like with the. I don't remember. There was something. There was some major gameplay system for, that was in two that you thought was in one, but it wasn't in one. So picking they, up limbs the, and chucking right them out. and picking up and launching limbs. Yeah, yes. and they they sort of re, revamped the alt fire on some of the weapons in interesting ways. I think
0: ways. the I think alt fire might be completely new. I don't know if I there think, was yeah. Alt you might fire. be right.
1: I, I think there was alt fire, but may, I, I don't remember. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about the remake is there's sort of two approaches, right? There's the RE4 approach of like. We're making a radically different game. It's like a remix. Yeah. And then there's the Dead Space approach of it's more or less identical, but they've done these small changes to it. And they're yeah the sort of small changes that I can't remember how it originally was. I just presume like if you told me the remake is one to one identical, except they made the graphics better. I would have believed it because it's just how my how I remember the Dead Space one mm-hmm. yeah. because two and three also sort of have merged with it. Uh, over time in my brain but it's not and it does make you realize when you go back and look at Dead Space 1 like oh they, they actually made a lot of really small but really smart changes to make the game feel more modern uh, and fresh and uh, yeah I, I I loved it all the way through and I I will always love uh, this sort of genre basically yeah, and preach. I didn't realize I really, it'll come up again but yeah the this sort of That era of post-Halo and COD, like, 2008 to 2011 games that I played on the 360 are, like, some of the only things in existence I have any nostalgia for, basically, is what Mm -hmm. I'm learning about myself. Uh, Yeah, and I desperately hope they do this for this style and quality of remake for Dead Space 2. Because Dead Space 2 is a better action-adventure game than most things out there still. Uh, it's much less of a horror thing and a little more action. But, man, Dead Space 2 is a wild ride. And I yeah, I have to imagine they will because I I'm can't sorry. imagine. I, yeah, I think this did fairly well. And I remember there being surveys that went out being like, would you be interested in this for Dead Space 2? And everyone was like, uh, y- yes, please, God. Um, and it's just, you know, EA doesn't have a lot of goodwill wins that it gets. So I would, I think it would be smart for them to keep... Uh, the Dead Space brand sort of fresh. Uh, yeah. Because I would love to see this for Dead Space 2. Dead Space 3, you know, we can leave that one behind. Um, would be but, interesting to see it, like, modernized and cleaned up, though. Yeah, a, a remixed... Like, Dead Space 3, but getting the Resident Evil 4 type of r- more radical yeah, yeah. rethink treatment could be really interesting. Or just make a brand new Dead Space, you know? Make something... Do one and two and then be like, okay, we're going to make a new game from scratch now i don't know why Uh, they don't it's a big time for survival horror it is yeah it's been nice to see survival horror come back to life and i I, you know yeah without resident evil we wouldn't have without the resident evil remakes we definitely wouldn't have seen a dead space remake because it was never super successful back then uh it was always fairly niche you know relatively speaking uh but, man, Dead Space rules. And it's, it was it amazing dies. to play it, like, three months after the Callisto Protocol and realize <laughs> yeah. just, like, how bad Callisto Protocol was at emulating Dead Space. And how <laughs> how many little things Dead Space does so, so well. From, like, the UI to the, the like, horrible, like, every time you, like, punch anything, you know. Like, all, all the sound and art and uh they just nailed it so much so well uh, maybe
0: callisto protocol was also a reason that i was skeptical about liza p oh uh, yeah just more more and more so like you can't copy what someone else is doing you just can't do it you don't get no. it
1: yeah yeah some people get it apparently callisto protocol didn't <laughs> no they definitely didn't yeah <laughs> but yeah dead space makes me happy yes yeah all right, we're getting into the top three. The top three.
0: This is where it gets interesting because mm-hmm. I, I think you know what I have left, and I know what you have left. Yes. Um. So yeah, just a matter of order. So
1: deduction starts to come in. I, I'm blanking on one or two, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, really? for you, maybe not. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe I'm being. Oh, maybe I'm overthinking things, and yeah, there are three. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> this is going to
0: review a lot, I okay. would say. Um, my number three is Tears of the Kingdom.
1: Okay, yes.
0: Yeah, now we're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a long chat about Tears of the Kingdom. It was a good chat, actually. Probably one of my favorite chats for the Tower of the Year. Yeah. Um, For me, this is like the most creative game of the year. And if we did like proper award shows, Jeff Keighley style, if there yes. was like game design, uh, this... Is the best game of the year for me. Obviously, I haven't played Baldur's Gate, but I would say the first twenty hours of Tears of the Kingdom was like the best twenty hours of any game I've played, maybe ever. Mm-hmm. The like the layers of discovery in that game are like unparalleled. Up there with like Outer Wilds for me. When you first discover the depths and all the 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 crazy toolkit that this game has. Um, and then, like, fiddling around with Ultra Hand and when you finally get the way to print blueprints and reversing time and attaching shit to arrows and how all these things just work on a Nintendo Switch. That honeymoon period of Tears of the Kingdom was just, like, a mind-blowing couple of weeks. And I don't know if a game's going to ever be able to beat that kind of, like, relevatory period of when everyone first was seeing what this game could do. And, like, yeah. the Twitter clips of people breaking the game in different ways... It was just an amazing, like, zeitgeist with this game. Um, For me, the second half doesn't quite stick the landing as much. Um, I feel like the formula and the format sticks so closely to Breath of the Wild that I kind of was, like, knowing what to expect from the routine and the formula. I thought, like, the castle was a little bit disappointing. And for me, melee combat still sucks ass in this game. And mm. I just, like, never want anything to do with it and i still think the dungeons are just like not as good as like the old style format from like twilight princess and before that um but yeah you just can't take away from the ridiculous toolkit that this game did in an open world game uh, i don't know if there will ever be a game which has more versatility and experimentation in an open world which doesn't explode um it's just an absolutely unparalleled achievement and in the long run the game, it, it landed well with me, um, but there's a lot of things about it which maybe didn't work for me compared to other people. The depths, especially, I found a bit boring and repetitive. Um, it would maybe be higher off my list of certain things matched Well, I was, I don't know, I just liked certain elements of it more. Um, but this is probably my most commended game of the year from a design perspective. It's just... A ridiculous achievement, and the fact that the Switch doesn't set on fire is a fucking miracle. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we did a really long chat. We went into detail on all the different assets and aspects of the game. Uh, if you want like, a more detailed chat, I'm sure it's going to come up uh, pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, an incredible achievement, uh, but for me, just lacking in a few areas, which maybe would push pushed it a bit higher uh, on the list.
1: Fair. Um... My number three, uh, it is Baldur's Gate three. Oh shit! Okay, okay. And some people are gonna be like, "Oh my god, it's not his number one. Oh my god, f- terrible fail." It's pretty uh, high. I don't, I don't care.
0: I feel like some people could say it about tears, honestly.
1: Yeah, maybe. Uh, that was the fun thing about the year, you know? There, there's like a, f- a handful of games. There, like there felt like there was actual a little bit of actual competition for like the number yeah, one, yeah, yeah, which was cool. And and my, yeah. Anyways, we'll we'll get there uh gate 3 is i mean there's what what, i don't know like what needs to be said about it after all this time like it's i feel like everyone knows you know at this point um a a reason just to get some negative thoughts out of the way quickly it's not any higher and for a while it was lower by a couple spots because i i found the first Almost the first forty hours to be very frustrating and difficult to to enjoy um mm. that's not to say it was all bad for forty hours. I would not have stuck with it if, it if there wasn't lots of stuff in there that I was still enjoying. but the game is uh exceptionally difficult to really understand, and I found it very frustrating because and confusing because. I played Divinity. Like I I I played 75 hours of Divinity Originals in 2, you know. I, I'm I'm familiar with their games, and yet there are so many uh systems and mechanics yeah. and clunky interactions that are not explained at all. Um like they don't even explain how how to like go to camp or what a long rest is, basically. Like mm. Uh, and i i still don't really know what or or i i guess i understand what like all the dice roll stuff is but i really never thought about it or understood it like in a oh i'm going to examine things and and think about like oh this guy is probably going to get a higher dice roll like all that stuff yeah. is so beyond me because i have i have never played or seen a single second of D&D in my life uh and so all those mechanics are beyond me. And like we said in the podcast chat, we had a good chat about it uh, on the last episode. Um, they put a 3 on it, right? They call it Baldur's Gate 3, and it had been 20 years since Baldur's Gate 2 came out, so they weren't fucking around, right? And I and that's fine. But uh, yeah, it was very difficult to enjoy for the first 30 hours, and that is the main reason it it is held back, because the things it's good at really are crazy. Uh, the game is insane. Like, it's a, it, it's made by crazy people, I think, (laughs) in the best possible way. And I mean that as the biggest compliment. Like, the fact that they made something so sprawling and so flexible and so reactive and so full of, like, thoughtful, not just gameplay reactions, but story and, like, written word reactions is remarkable. And I think the... We've talked about this a few times in the Discord, is that... The term role-playing game has really been bastardized over the last fifteen years by the AAA industry, to the point where anything that has a skill tree is immediately an RPG. Like, oh, Horizon Zero Dawn is an, mm. is an RPG, and it's like, no, it's fucking not. It has a skill tree. You know, there's no role-playing. You're you're just filling out a skill tree. Even something like Cyberpunk, you know, okay, yeah, you can pick. That's a little more like, okay, I, I want to play with a sword or pistols or shotguns or something, but. To to really embody role-playing is to do what it says, which is to create a role and be able to play it, and the reason we've got away from it is because it's incredibly hard to do that, and it's expensive, and it takes, as we see in Baldur's Gate, uh, 2,000 people, approximately six years with a blank check budget to make something viable nowadays. Um, So it was the perfect storm of... Really, I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again because of that perfect storm. Of they, they, the it was the right people at the right time. They got extensive amount of early access and probably were able to ship it way later than they originally planned because of the COVID delays and interruptions. And I have to imagine a completely blank check from whoever owns D and D. It's a remarkable achievement, and it's. Uh, like, I love the writing in it. The writing is hilarious. And probably the biggest thing I like about it is the writing because it really evokes the writing style of something like the Mass Effect games, like Mass Effect 2, where there's a certain sort of edge, a sort of meanness to it in a way that's really funny. Uh, and that can persists all the way through. There's just a, a charmy, charmed sort of like, yeah, you are a fucking weirdo how you're playing this game, aren't you? We know, we see, and we've written stuff for you, you fucker. Uh, and that persists all the way through. Um, it's it's less a game about the story and the characters, even though uh, this game has a lot of people really in love with the characters. I think they're all fine, but it's not... I don't think about them in the way I would think about like the Mass Effect characters, because it's much more my character and my experience and interaction with the systems and the story that is interesting. Uh, and it, it it was very refreshing to play basically the Chaos character from my first playthrough. Like I set out, I'm like, okay, I'm going to play a degenerate lunatic that is going to try and fuck with the systems as much as possible. And at no point did it ever feel like things were were uh going wrong in the sense of like oh shit they didn't think of that yeah uh, and it's re- it's amazing to play and start talking to other people and compare notes because that's when you really start to realize how different the experience can get um like the entire my playthrough feels ex- like the playthrough right and I, and then i go and talk to andy and dawson and i are like what happened uh here who's what uh-huh What happened when you guys lifted this curse? Because I uh, had everyone in this inn got murdered and they're all dead now. And then Dawson and Andy are like, those are some of the most important characters in the entire chapter. And what do you mean they're all dead? I'm like, yeah, they died an hour (laughs) into the chapter. And and they have no idea how the game can function without those characters. And then I'm playing it thinking, this is the only way for that to happen. How else would it go? Uh, So once you really start to see other people's playthroughs, and I put, like, five hours into a new character after beating it, uh, and it was really interesting to see just how completely different the experience is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a wild thing, and uh, I also wanted to give a special shout-out to my time with it over Christmas break. The stars aligned such that I had a Christmas break that was basically like being in high school again. I had no social events I had no work we didn't do anything exciting for Christmas and I was able to just sort of like sleep in stay in my pajamas play nine hours of Baldur's Gate 3 do whatever the fuck I wanted after that and then go to bed and did that for like three or four days before I got like physically tired of doing it (laughs) because I'm old (laughs) but it was it was a I haven't done that with a game in a probably since Skyrim honestly or maybe the Witcher 3 you know but uh so it was sort of a perfect storm of being able to churn through it in a short period of time. I did not think I was going to beat it anytime soon because I started it in September and at the beginning or at Christmas, so four, three months later, I was only like 60 hours into the game. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be another two months to get through the last 40 hours. And then I did that in about a week. <laughs> uh, so it was fun to do that as well. Uh, yeah, it's a, a wild thing. It is a wild game, and I, I love to see the success they've had because yeah. they they really were very niche for so long, and even Divinity, like I felt like I was one of the only people that played that game, at least among us. And then you guys would come to it a little while later to see something so hardcore and old school win like at the Keeley Festival, you know, like and have that sort of mainstream success is really encouraging. Mhm. Uh, and I would say that about uh, all of my top 3 games. There's a certain level of like mainstream acceptance that is really exciting and and makes me hopeful about the future of games that they're not all just going to be like Spider-Man 2s and that's not to take away from Spider-Man 2, but you know what I mean, like the the certain polished, accessible, familiar experience Baldur's Gate 3's rough edges are indicative of it being made for weirdos and yeah. and that it succeeded the way it has is really, uh, really amazing. So yeah, Baldur's gate three is great. Once you play 40 hours of it and get over all of its frustrations,
0: <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> I'll get to it. Maybe one day I'd like to,
1: I really yeah. would. There's a lot of fun, fun stuff in there.
0: All right.
1: Two left. Hmm.
0: There's a real theme going forward for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my number two, you've already talked about and you did a good job summarizing it. It is Dead Space, the remake. Wow. Okay. My number two. And and the, the reason is simple, man. Like you said, it, it's just I had a perfect time with my yes. one and two games. A perfect time. And yeah... Tears of the Kingdom is way more impressive from a technical standpoint and yeah. design perspective than a remake of Dead Space. <laughs> but I just I just love playing Dead Space from the beginning to the end. It's just a flawless experience. And the remake, like you said, it's, it's like a subtle, small remake. It's a massive evolution when it comes to the graphics that does a small, small little things to make the uh, gameplay more modernized. So it's kind of nice... To play a game which isn't heavily remixed because dead space the remake really feels like it's just dead space that is that good all these years later mm-hmm. but certain other remixes and remakes have kind of changed the pace and the flavor of the game uh, which i understand and i think some people even complained about dead space being so similar but it's just that fucking good like dead space is just yeah. that good that it's one of the best games i played in 2023. And all they did is make it look super sharp and add in some gameplay renovations, you know, yeah. like some boot polish. And that's it. And it's one of the best games I've played in years. Um, And I just, I just found it almost like weirdly endearing in that way to be like, oh yeah, it's not just like uh, nostalgia. It's not just uh, my memory. Uh, yeah. Revering. Rose-tinted glasses is, is another way to put it. Dead Space really is just incredible. Um, I think it's the best survival horror game in terms of location and tone and atmosphere. Oh, yeah. It's it's just the best and uh, like you said, I really really hope that there is uh, a remake for Dead Space 2 um, with EA, you never know. Yeah. Um, and if this is all we get, then it was still like a glorious thing to get. And yeah, it's just really nice to see that Dead Space is good all these years later and that Just a pure survival horror action game is still fucking amazing. Yes. I don't know why they went away. It's nice to see them coming back. But I just think it's one of the best genres and formats ever. And in a world full of Starfields and these long 80-hour games and Final Fantasies and Diablos, it's just like nice, like you said, to play like a 10, 15-hour game, which is incredible from start to finish. And then the credits roll. God, that game's yeah, good.
1: we didn't get. We never really talked about Dead Space anywhere until now, so it's it's might come as a bit of a surprise to people if you listen to everything we talk about. But uh yeah, and I I'm surprised maybe a little bit that it's number two, like it, that it's higher than me mm. than it was on my list. But I also like I just sort of like you said about Tears of the Kingdom. There's a certain sort of respect for like the three games I put above Dead Space that I just. Couldn't.
0: This is more about my 2023 mood, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Dead Space like represents what I want. Like that's my mood, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. If there was one of these out every every month, I would be a happy boy. I'm Uh, making a
0: statement. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to.
1: Yeah, this is what I want. I know what. Yeah.
0: I love Tears of the Kingdom, but there are parts of that game which are exactly the opposite of like how I want things to move forward. For sure. Tears of the Kingdom really has a little bit of like more is better in certain regards. Um still a really high quality product, which yeah, I'm sure i will get to.
1: Yeah. Um Hmm. <laughs> uh, my number two is Tears of the Kingdom.
0: Ah, oh, <laughs> <no. laughs>
1: tears of the kingdom is the best game of the year (laughs) but i like one other game more for very specific reasons that we'll talk about yeah but i think like sort of you said if we were to um pull knives out and say like okay we have to agree on a number one game for our list right yeah uh i would say it's tears of the kingdom and i would fight yeah Tooth and nail for it. I don't it's think the it tower. would be too exactly. It's top of the tower, so we basically have already declared it the best game of the year. Yeah. Uh it is a staggering achievement in game design, and I, I have no idea how it exists on any console. If this came out on the PS5, it would blow my mind. Uh the fact that it exists on the little Switch is a a a whole other thing. But when it comes to just interesting mechanics and interactions in a world that is really pleasant to just exist in there's never been anything quite like it except for breath of the wild of course but breath of the wild you know i i really liked a lot of breath of the wild especially with its tone uh like the music the art the the personality of the writing and all these things i really liked all that stuff but the mechanics like we discussed when we talked about the tiers earlier last year on the tower the mechanics of breath of the wild while interesting were just weren't they just didn't do much for me in the long term they didn't uh spur my creativity from Mm. gameplay whereas in tiers each of the three or four main mechanics uh are all individually fascinating and when then when you combine them all it's just it's just wild (laughs) yeah uh, and, and you know, I, I really do want to make clear that this is probably the first year we've ever done this where I have been a little unsure of what the number one was. Normally, it's very easy. It's like, it's that. That game is number one. No problem. But this year, I, I really like would like to... Ha- ideally, they would both be number one. They're sort of both number one in my heart for very different reasons. Like, Tears of the Kingdom is the best game of the year uh, for me. And and I really, like sort of tapped into like a childlike sort of wonder in a way that I haven't had a game do in a very, very long time. Uh, In a way that I think only Nintendo can do as well. It sort of makes me understand a lot about like the whole of why people love Nintendo so much uh, for, for maybe the first time where I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, And it also, they basically made a sequel to Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, except (laughs) 4,000 million times bigger. And that's insane. I love, I I really do love uh, Tears of the Kingdom, and it is a game that I would, I will replay at some point, because the systems encourage so much interesting exploration from your brain, basically. Yeah. Uh, Probably my favorite thing was just making the weird, dumb Mad Max video that no one watched because it just made me (laughs) make weird, dumb vehicles, and uh, and the game just works for it. Just lets you do all these things. It's uh, I don't know. There's a lot you can say about it, and I think we said a lot about it. uh, Yeah, on the tower chat, it's the best game. It's the best made game since Outer Wilds, I would say, and. It's probably on the short list of like the top five best games I probably, best made games I probably ever played, just like thinking objectively. Yeah. Like I if, I, if I were to start to really argue with people about what I think is objectively, you know, an, an extraordinary game, it's Tears of the Kingdom. So, yeah. So I, I have a, a tough. Uh, go of it to explain why my number one is my number one after saying all that but you know I'll get there and I, I know how I'm getting there so it's uh, Tears of the Kingdom is amazing and it, it made me happy uh, in a way not a lot of games have before so good job Nintendo
0: alright on to my number one of the year mmm yeah Um. I feel like I feel it's a really good game but I feel like 2023 didn't, like, leave me in a place where I get to, like, kick down the door and be like, hooray, it's this game. Right. Quite like maybe 2022 did with the surprise of Vampire Survivors. But my number one is Resident Evil 4, the remake from this year, uh, which I thought was absolutely fucking amazing. The most amazing thing about Resident Evil 4 is that they decided to remake it in the first place. Yeah. I think after the, not disaster of Resident Evil 3, but the kind of underwhelming performance of the game, the length and the like, commitment to that game.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, when
0: they said they were going to do RE4, which is probably the most revered survival horror game of all time. um, I just don't know that anyone thought they could pull it off. And uh, they did, and it was better than the original and remixed in a way which was like super impressive, creative, and bold. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we were saying with Dead Space, I do like that there's like different approaches. You have like the Final Fantasy VII remix shift approach, and you have the more respectful one-to-one Dead Space Demon Souls type thing. Um, and I think Resident Evil Four is maybe the best like remix that's ever been done. Uh, it feels like super new and fresh but also respectful at the same time. There is so much content here and I just think the combat is fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know why I just think it's just like surprisingly like dynamic and interesting for a Resident Evil game. It also has some of like the greatest enemy design of the entire year. I think the regenerator sequence is my favorite single sequence of the entire year, like one chunk of a game. Um, I don't think I've been more, like, giddy and, like, you, should, you shouldn't be really giggling when playing a horrific, horrifying, like, horror moment. <laughs> but seeing those guys, like, wriggle and, like, slosh around, like, horrible bags of liquid as you have to, like, snipe their internal org- organs with, like, an infrared scope is just an amazing sequence. And even though you said, like, this game is definitely action-heavy and not really tense, it just has a lot of, like, good... Like, difficult set pieces and stressful set pieces uh, in a way which I just really, really enjoyed. Um, The variety in this game is ridiculous. It's just so bombastic and ridiculous. It's just just nuts. This game is absolutely nuts. And I do think uh, that Resident Evil 4 just came back and took the crown again. uh, Which is, like, it's just ridiculous, man. Who does that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're crazy.
0: People thought it was, like, the best game in this genre ever. They remade it, and I just think it kind of came and took the crown yet again. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just an incredible accomplishment uh, and one of the best survival horrors, if not the best survival horror game I think I've ever played.
1: Mm. It
0: was the one game that I would have guessed
1: to be your number one. Yeah,
0: and like I said, with Dead Space, I'm kind of going in circles here, but I just had a perfect time. I can't yeah. think of a portion of RE4 where I was like frustrated or annoyed. I was just giggling like a sick child <laughs> who gets excited <laughs> about gross horror moments for the whole thing and just having a blast uh i played it on hardcore which had some moments of stress you know the beginning cabin um some of the town moments um like i said there were generators um yeah the hard mode on pc had like a really good pace to it which kept it like a little bit stressful still not hmm. scary but it had
1: a bit more demand going on in the gameplay section i do wish i had uh yeah, played it on hard because you can't change. It's so weird that you can't change difficulty in that game once you started. Probably because of
0: resources or something.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think it's all really tightly tuned. Um, yeah. So I get it, but man, yeah, I know. I I learned my lesson more than once this year. I played Dead Space on the hard mode, and it was it was uh, it was nice. It was still actually too easy Dead Space on the PC, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but I know going forward, if I'm playing. Any Sort of survival horror on the PC, I have to set it to hard because then it'll be about the normal difficulty basically uh, that you'd get with a controller. Yeah, exactly. I would say. Yeah,
0: but yeah. My one and two of 2023 were <laughs> remakes of old survival horror games, so yeah. Well, you know, don't know what that
1: says about I mean, where I'm at with AAA gaming, modern AAA gaming, but you know, yeah, I mean, you, you taste change and, and you get tired of big things and and that's fine like uh, yeah those games were fantastic and i agree wholeheartedly that i want more like them yeah remakes or original titles like i'm i'm even though tears and baldur's gate are super high on my list like they're fucking exhausting they're so (laughs) huge They were a hundred hours i played two 100 hour games this year and it was like, I see Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is... They're like, oh, it's you can spend up to 100 hours in this game. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I look forward to playing that game, but I don't want it to be 100 hours. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man was nice because it was 25 hours to do everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, shorter games are better. I think,
0: like, 15 consistently good hours is going to be more remember... Like, I'm going to remember that stronger oh, than yeah. 100 hours, which had, like, a bunch of good stuff along the way, if that makes yeah. sense.
1: yeah yeah I, I i completely agree like more more games please like that please yes, god please yes, please but apparently everyone that isn't us wants 100 hour open world rpgs so yeah i know i mean this was definitely the year where we deviated a lot from the mainstream and from each other which i you know yeah. and we did that as well last year our number ones were radically different uh from each other and they're radically different this year as well and i I enjoy that. Sure, yeah. It it, it prompts discussion and curiosity and, uh, you know, we are, everyone's different and everyone likes different things. My number one is Alan Wake 2. Um, so yeah, I, I said I had to justify like Alan Wake being number one and, and it was, uh, a, it might take a few words to get there, but I, I do know why it is number one because I really did have to think for a while. Uh, because I was like, man, Tears of the Kingdom, I adore this game, but my brain just keeps going back to Alan Wake Two. Why, why do I like it so much? Uh, and you know, I've been one to not be super concerned by gameplay, and that would apply here as well. I think all the gameplay parts of it uh, are fine; they work for me. They worked. Uh, they did the job, but the the stuff that makes Alan Wake Two stand out to me is the all the other things in it that are hard to fully quantify but um for example let's say right from the get-go i was like you you crawl out of a lake as a fat hairy bald naked dude yeah uh and i was like oh this game's for me
0: (laughs) that is all that's like a great opening
1: It's an incredible opening. And then the title card hits with the big, loud, bold, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, yeah, this game is probably going to be made for me. And that is ultimately why Alan Wake 2 is number one for me is because it feels profoundly and explicitly made for my brain in a way that I haven't actually really had from maybe any game ever before to this extent. Uh... Alan Wake 1 was one of those sort of important early uh, games like Dead Space, like we talked about, where I found it really fascinating at the time. I was a child still. I, I don't know, 15, 16, when Alan Wake came out. And uh, I fondly remember discussing it with people in the cafeteria back in the day, being like, what the fuck happened in this story? I have no goddamn idea, but I enjoyed it. And... Um, yeah, so I realize an interesting thing about Alan Wake is that it sort of is like the culmination of uh like growing into taste in media if that makes sense. Mm. Uh one of the only things I actually have enjoyed about getting older is developing a sense of what I like, you know? Mm. Uh what like I think one of the best things about getting a taste in media is to understand what it means to have something made that makes you feel seen basically, where you're like, my brain, my sensibilities, my eccentricities are all being pleased by this entertainment. Uh, and when I played Alan Wake 1 at the time, I I didn't realize why it was pleasing my brain. And then over the few years I would, after Alan Wake, I'd like learned, you know, that, oh, I, I love like the David Lynch style of things like that. And then you go back to Alan Wake 1 and you're like, this game is one of those things. Uh, And Alan Wake 2, oh god, Alan Wake 2 felt like playing a dream that someone made for me. (laughs) Uh, And I don't know, I I have actually written a lot down here, but it's struggling to put it into a coherent thought. But they, if, if, if I was more capable and confident and able to make a piece of entertainment with no strings attached... I would want to be able to make something like Alan Wake 2 in the sense of its confidence, in the sense of its shamelessness with which it loves other things, in in the confidence it has to be itself, I would say. That's what makes it stand out the most. Uh, And I love pretty much every second of the game from start to finish because of all of the weird... The weird blurriness of what Alan Wake 2 is fascinates me. I love this weird blurred line between reality and fiction. I love the blurred line between game and movie. Uh, And they just run with all that stuff in a way nothing I've ever played has done that before. Control dabbled in it. You know, they've been dabbling with this for years since out Al- since and Max Payne apparently, but I I've never played Max Payne, so I can't speak to it. But since Alan Wake for sure, and they but they have achieved it wholly here with Alan Wake two in in making just a very strange piece of art that is not. It's like sometimes a game, it's sometimes a movie, it's it's like a Kojima project but realized properly and before kojima makes his weird movie game thing in 15 years or whatever that fucking ps5 announcement was uh uh and that it's all of those things that i find so fascinating about alan wake it's the fact that sam lake is in that game in like four different levels of existence that i find like the fact that he is there as the guy that created the characters playing a character that he created, or he's playing a character that he wrote another character to create. Uh, and he's doing it both in live action and non-live action and with someone else's voice and also his voice. And I know that just sounds like a bunch of bullshit, but I just feel and understand that, like, his goal with all of that in a way that I, I just, I can't really express properly. It's the whole game is I don't necessarily understand it literally and can't really express literally why I love it, but I understand it all emotionally, uh in a way that's I've not had with a game before. So yeah, I also think they just achieved like all the goals they've been chasing for years uh, with it. And I think as a as an experience, it's uh completely different from anything I've seen in a game before and and I'm glad we have games like it getting made. I of course think games should have lots of interesting gameplay and want developers to pursue gameplay more than story stuff but I also think games should be able to be art and be fucking weird and messy and be whatever they want to be and Alan Wake 2 is whatever the fuck it wanted to be. And they just did it. Uh, And, and that's, that's what I, that's why I like it the most. When I see an artist making fucking weird bullshit, uh, like Alan Wake Two, it makes me happy. (laughs) I found it oddly emotional to see Sam Lake on the stage at the game awards doing the dumb Herald of Darkness song because he was so happy. It was a face of like 20 years of grinding to achieve the dream and that's what Alan Wake feels like in a lot of ways. Of just like there are still people out there that are able to be successful and express themselves and be weird and find some sort of mainstream success through that. And that makes me. It. it I just found it very encouraging. The whole. The whole experience. It was like, not all hope is lost for basically games as art form and not as product i would say so
0: yeah i think i can latch on to that uh specific point as well Mm. i feel like remedy and kojima are like the only two people slash companies that are doing this sort of like super interesting not specifically dreamlike just creative weird shit in video games yeah but I just feel like Death Stranding is also a culprit. Why can't it be done with gameplay as well in a fun way, (laughs)
1: you know? Yeah, and that's where, like, we will disagree, because I found the game completely engaging as a survival horror experience. It's not particularly stressful, but much like I was saying with... I mean, Dead Space plays better, of course, but Dead Space... like as at least trying to be some sort of stressful thing. yeah. And I felt that way with um, with Alan Wake 2. And I also have realized f- over the last year or so that when it comes to a survival horror experience, I actually, and this sounds really stupid, and I think it's a stupid thing to say, <laughs> but I like when they don't play as well. I think RE7 is the best playing RE7 because it kind of play, it plays and feels like shit. Because I want to be fumbling with things. I just find it emu- like it escalates the tension, and I know that sounds that sound like don't video games should play great. Don't listen to me, you know. But like every time we talk about Resident Evil, I'm probably still going to complain. I'm like, it just feels a little too good to play. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know we obviously like have diverged radically with how we feel about. Uh, like the gameplay side of it, I found it completely uh, engaging and and it did everything it needed to do for me uh, from a gameplay perspective. And I completely understand not feeling that way because it is simple and it is um, bare bones. You know, in the way it reminds me of of RE7 where you're like, RE7 has like two enemies and they're not interesting to fight. And that was more acceptable because it was the first one of those in a long time and that was like eight years ago. And I, I... I agree, you know, they could have made a better playing game and they have made better playing games with control. Control is a massively better playing video game. Yes. But it is also much more concerned with being a video game. Whereas Alan Wake 2, the video game parts of Alan Wake 2 are yeah, they're they're like part of the whole. They're not the focus. And I think that was okay. That was okay for me because it it worked and it added to the sort of general blurriness of what Alan Wake 2 is. It is a fascinating, bizarre video game.
0: I think there's one there's one scene in Alan Wake which maybe gives me hope a little bit, which is obviously like the musical number in Alan Wake 2, mm. Be- because it takes like the oddities of the game and it actually has you playing the game right. and fighting right. while it's happening in the background. And then, you know, we had the Death Stranding 2 trailer and like the trailers are amazing, but it's just all cut scenes. It's cut scenes, Yeah. And a lot of like Alan Wake like the best stuff in Alan Wake 2 for me, except for the dance number, was just like watching the cutscenes. Yeah. And it's just like can't can't we bring it together? Can't cool stuff happen in these weird studio games while the game is being played? Like the ashtray maze and stuff like that. And that's kind of what I want. And but these are the only two people doing this shit at the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I don't disagree as well, but I think they do. I think they do interest like a lot of really interesting stuff visually while playing the game, like when they're overlapping,
0: mm, yeah, uh,
1: like visuals and stuff. And they were playing with that in Control, but all the things that they were experimenting with in Control have been implemented so much better here when it comes to like live action and cutscenes and you know mixing them all together. Uh, yeah, Control is a better game. Un-, un unquestionably. Absolutely. But for me, always like the coolest parts of Control were the weird FMV sequences overlaid on things. It was the weird story and universe they're weaving together. Uh, and all that stuff is just completely unhinged in Alan Wake 2, but in a way that I just find completely uh, coherent. And it-, it made me happy in a way that I uh, really don't get from much entertainment anywhere so uh yeah i i have not stopped thinking about alan wake 2 since beating it uh much like a good like david lynch thing or like twin peaks the return it's like i think about Mm. that all the time and i couldn't necessarily tell you why because a lot of that was a pain in the ass to watch (laughs) but it is a fascinating thing and alan wake 2 uh, is so much one of those things to me. Uh, so I'm
0: glad people liked it because uh, obviously I want Remedy to keep doing their thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I, I the last thing is that I, I, I. This is. I think that game is like the game. It's so interesting how the the game itself is about like dreams and art uh, coming to reality and being more than what it set out to be. And it's fascinating that Alan Wake 2 itself is that as well. That it. 13 years after the first game they've been trying to make it for all this time and they finally were able to do it and it's so uh, unhinged in the most fascinating way and the fact that like fucking Fortnite funded it like <laughs> created it <laughs> yeah like epic funded it with a blank check because basically of Fortnite money is it's such a wild journey they've been on to make it uh and i i just am glad they finally did it and that they are also content with what they made. Uh, I want more artists to be able to be fucking weirdos in video games. And Yeah, me too. I am I cannot wait to see what they do with Control 2 because Ooh. that will be a game that's much more a video game, but then they will have also learned all of their stylistic things from Alan Wake 2. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a, a potential mind-boggling experience, I would imagine, you know, because they because you will have theoretically improved gameplay and Remedy doing whatever they're doing. So, yeah. Alan Wake (sighs) 2 just makes me happy, and I can't fully express it. So, there you go.
0: All right. We'll get back to Alan Wake (laughs) 2 at a later point. That would be a good chat when Ben's there. I guess the only thing left is uh, honorable mentions. Alan Wake 2 is on my honorable mentions just because mm. that game has some individual moments. Um, you know, you've already talked about it. But like, no one else in the industry is having fun with video games like that. Um, obviously, I, you know, the gameplay just didn't work for me in that game, but it still made me smile at certain points. Also, it looks incredible. I really like how oh, yeah. that game looks.
1: It's insane. Um, I don't know.
0: I, I feel like I owe Final Fantasy 16 a bit of a shout out just for some of those mega boss yes. fights. Yeah. And then I also just have um, Party Animals and Lethal Company marked down together. It's like the mm. weird co op shenanigan portion, which we had some fun with this year. But I mean, we played both of them like twice and just, yeah. I don't know. It's not going to go above Remnant 2 for me. uh But yeah, it's nice to see some like fun party co op games
1: come back. Yeah.
0: um I don't know, man. That's kind of all I've got.
1: Final Fantasy 16 was like, I really thought when I finished it, I'm like, yeah, that'll be on my top 10 list. But. I just haven't thought about that game for like a second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, we did a good chat on that game, and I I really thought it was going to make it the list, but it did not. So I think um, Rebirth is definitely going to tick more of what I was looking for from Final Fantasy, because 16 just just came and went really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Humanity, like I said um also on the indie list chance of sanar i'm not sure how oh, yeah. exactly to say that but i just think that's a really fascinating game uh the fact that they're able to i just didn't i i was not able to stick with it past a certain point again can't fully tell you why but the fact that they're able to make a game about learning language is really cool really interesting game yeah uh but it just i just wasn't able to stick with it for whatever reason uh, another one I would give a quick shout out to, because I'm still playing it and will continue to play it, is that game I mentioned on the podcast, Shadow Gambit the Cursed Crew. Oh, it's yeah. Terrible name, but it's a really neat game, uh, and I just wanted to give it like a little spotlight in this video more than anything. Uh, super well made, great art, great personality. Uh, across the board, really good. Almost would have put it above Hi-Fi Rush, or in place of Hi-Fi Rush, but I, I'm still playing it and haven't played... I've only played like a s- six hours of it or something, so I yeah. need to play more of it. Two more quick ones. I really liked about half of Atomic Heart. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I beat that. I did beat that game, and I thought the first like two or three sessions of it, spanning about half the game, were really impressive. Like the art, the sound, the combat was solid. It was fucking weird. Yeah. Um. But then it just really i just it just really dropped off in the second half and became very boring and repetitive and the art um didn't deliver in the second half they they i think they sort of front loaded it with all the amazing art and the second half is a lot of just sort of corridors uh which is a shame because they were doing some pretty wild stuff with the art yeah. uh, in the first half of that game and you know a bioshock ish game is always welcome and then the last one i did want to give it a quick shout because i I just finished it and I just played it in the last week was Armored Core 6. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to quickly talk about it. Like, I don't I don't necessarily... Uh, this might, like, piss some people off, but I actually... I just don't really think Armored Core 6 is actually that great of a game. But it was... Uh, me neither. <laughs> but it was, like, really... It's such... It, it is, like, extremely bizarre that it exists and is what it is. And, again, there's a 6 on it, so, like, they, they were sort of making it clear... Uh, but I found it very enjoyable and relaxing to play for most of it, and it's like completely brain dead easy except for two boss fights. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was fun, hmm. and in a week I'll probably have completely forgotten I ever played it. But I I enjoyed the out of time nature of it. It it feels like it got teleported forward from night in like 2002 uh yeah weird game (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was weird it was it's a weird thing uh and i don't think it's super great in a lot of design ways i would say it it it, yeah but uh but i was pleasantly surprised at how comfy it was for three nights you know two hours a night three hours a night uh with a podcast on or a video on the side i was like eh, i'm just shooting big robots with a big robot and not really challenge thinking about anything and that was okay so i will also give a very quick shout out to dredge oh yeah dredge
0: yeah that was a that was an interesting little indie thing i didn't play mm. a lot of indie things um and it had a cool tone And just the general concept of it being like a horror-themed fishing game with like a Resident Evil inventory to manage and you can upgrade your boat. It was cool. I think for me, just like the very ending, which I won't spoil, was a little bit of an anti-climax and I think they could have done something really bold with the ending. Mm. Um, But yeah, it was a really cool thing and I will keep an eye on whatever those guys do next.
1: And yeah. That's, That's that. Yeah. Are there any thoughts for 2024? I don't... Like... Ooh, yeah, that is next. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's honestly looking kind of interesting. I I, maybe I haven't looked at the list for a little while, but it just there right now there doesn't, and we're already like you know a month into the into twenty twenty four. It really doesn't feel like there's much coming out this year.
0: Probably just like unannounced release dates that will sneak up somewhere. But uh, yeah, it's hard to tell at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's surprisingly barren for the for the year right now, which is strange. Outside of yeah. like February and March, which you know have a couple of big weird Japanese games coming out, which is always fun. Yeah,
0: I'm looking forward to Dragon's Dogma and Rise of the Ronin, which are the same day, which is weird. Oh right,
1: me. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Team Ninja, right? Yeah, yeah, Rise yeah. of the
0: Ronin. Yeah, that's kind of all I have on my radar.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm very curious about Dragon's Dogma, uh, and I look forward to uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth because it's looking like a crazy. Japanese video game, uh, which is what I wanted from Final Fantasy 16. I think if 16 had been that, I would not have been interested in 7 so soon after, but because 16 was so dull, it's actually made me more interested in 7, but I wish it was like 30 hours instead of 50. <laughs> but what can you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's not much past March, though, and that's odd. No, yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of. Not sure what's coming out this year. And maybe there won't be a lot. Maybe everyone just accidentally shipped everything in 2023. <laughs> maybe. Uh, it's not... wouldn't be the first time we've had a, a quiet year, so...
0: We will see, man. We will see. I kind of hope just a bunch of indies come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that about wraps up another year, year eleven, the beginning of a new decade. Oh God. Fuck you know. Oh shit. Uh, I'm getting too old. My voice can't even handle it anymore. Apparently.
1: No, I know.
0: Yeah, I think that does it for another year. As usual, let us know down below what your games of the year were feel free to scream at us for our horrible gaming opinions.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Especially me.
0: Also, let us know um, what to look forward to for 2024, because apparently we y- yeah. don't know anything about this year. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Huh. Uh, we'll obviously have more podcasts and The Tower episodes uh, coming up across 2024, talking about games as they come out. Uh, but if you're just here for these, we will see you next year. Let's hope it's a good one. Bye. Take it easy.
1: Bye.